0: Hockey fans, if you'd like a copy of my new book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to flankerpress.com. If you'd like a personalized copy for $25 plus shipping, email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. That's terryryan2020 at gmail.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 88 Tales with T.R. This is your host, Terry Ryan. Great to be with you all again this week. Um, lot coming up. Chicklets Cup next week in Las Vegas. I know some fans of my podcast We're also fans of Spitting Chicklets. It's a big, uh, a lot of common denominators there, I, w- I would think. At least three quarters of my audience listen to that. Just judging by the feedback and the content and the parallels, you know, on there once in a while. And but hey, if you haven't check it out, it's a pretty good show. So my dad and I, and Connor Donahue, my buddy, Kyle K-Man McGraw, are heading down from Newfoundland, and uh, a friend of mine, an opponent probably my arch nemesis for the better part of I I suppose you could say a decade inside of there the world championships in ball hockey are every two years his name is Bobby Hauser by the way he was the captain of Team USA great player from Leo Minster outside of Boston a lot of great ball hockey players from that area they must uh, they have a great program but they they play like year round and they, they call it deck hockey which is as far as I know three on three so yeah. And myself, Connor, Kyle are all well-schooled on the international level on five-on-five. On five. I played one three-on-three tournament. I went to the world championship with Team Ireland in the WBHF. Team Ireland, it, it, people ask the difference between the ISBHF and the WBHF. The ISBHF, you've got to have like a clean-cut passport from that country that you're playing for. And in the WBHF, you have to have the heritage. You have to prove... You know, it's a lot easier. to. Play. I played for Ireland. I've never been there. Well, I've been there like two days, but, you know, uh, but it was because my lineage goes back to Ireland, at least part of it, on my uh, my father's side. Surprise, Ryan. So that was it. And we went to the three-on-three world's men. And actually, actually, it was Bobby Hauser and Team USA that beat us. But um, I remember it being like, it was real, real, real hard. Now we were double shifting, double shifting in three-on-threes. Hockey is hard enough, but running Um, anyway, it's a blast though. It's a lot of fun, but I, but I knew that going in. So when biz asked me, I gave him a bunch of players, probably 15. And, you know, I had buddies. It was hard to pick as well because I had some buddies, of course, that want to go that I've played with for years. And um, I don't want to explain who, but I, but I just, I put all the names there and I asked some of my great buddies and five or six of them couldn't go. Connor would have come anyway kale mankind kyle mcgraw 23 years old on his way up um played in the quebec league um and is an up-and-coming ball hockey player who was part of the national program in under 20 so and he's a bullet and he's a good buddy he's a saint john's captain this is my last year playing senior and he's a teammate of mine so i said hey why not ask a teammate good buddy i, I watched kyle his whole life i watched him play when he was eight years old so uh to say, buddy, sounds funny, but but he is. You know, we're we're a unit. We all skate all the time. um The hockey teams here, the ball hockey guys. We all, uh you know, it's it's a group that uh, all train together and hang out together in the summers. It's a lot of fun. Uh, of course, I would ask Zach O'Brien, Mark Power, and Cody Donahue. They're great players, probably the best from here in recent years. Uh, but the boys are playing professional hockey. Cody is playing in Europe with the Armair Jagger's team and um, the boys are Marcus and Zach are playing here for the Newfoundland growlers and ripping it up. I might add good luck to the growlers Um, today's guest, Mike, first round, Mike Brown. Uh, You know, I, I text with Brownie once in a while. Um, Real good player. I was kind of curious, you know, I lost touch with him for a little bit in the late two thousands and I went back and looked at his career and it's pretty impressive. We used to joke with him, you know, call him first round Mike Brown. We knew he was going to go with the year that I, I had Greg Schmidt last week on the program. So that when I played with Greg and Mike would have been 96, 97. So it be all those stories I heard last week. Brown, he was there for those. But, you know, we used to joke with him because we knew he was big and he was tough. Right. Here's a guy. He was 15 years old playing in the BCJ and he had 128 penalty minutes. We'll, we'll get into that. Uh, but, you know, I remember in his draft year, which was the year we were there, was he had you know, a lot. He he was one of the toughest players in the league, well over 200 penalty minutes, but he had uh, 19 goals, you know, and that is pretty good. (laughs) And junior in your draft year, you know, because he was drafted as back then fighting was a bigger part of it. I mean, it was a much bigger part of the game, although I'll get into it another time. It is people say coming back. I don't really think it ever left. I think just there's less of it. So people keep assuming that, but I don't know if it's just me, but I've seen some great battles this year and old school fights like stand back and throw type. So, like I said, it'll never go away. I'll do a whole show on that someday, but you could make it a 10 game suspension. It's not going to go away. It'll happen. Um, but anyway, so Brownie, you know, and I'm looking, he gets drafted in the first round of Florida. Now, I knew he got traded right off the bat for Ed Jovanovsky. So that's a, I mean, I've talked to guys. I've been involved in trades in different leagues and it, it, people always go, what's it like to be traded? And I, I think you're often thinking about what the move is like and going to another team, but you, you never, when people say that they often don't take into account who you're traded for. And when you're traded for the captain of the Vancouver Canucks, I believe Joe, Joe at the time. Oh no, 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 sorry. Sorry. When you're traded from Vancouver to Florida and Jovanoski was captain material. I don't know if he was the captain. He ended up being a Canucks legend. Um, you know what you know what i'm completely wrong on that brownie must have gone from florida to vancouver with ed Jovanovsky. we'll get into it we'll get into it um i know he went in the first round yeah to well first round brown 96 97 florida 20th overall okay so yeah And I don't want to get into it now. I'd rather ask him. It's right in front of me on the computer if I want. But it's an interesting trade, I remember. Either way, he's part of a big trade. And he's got some great career highlights. But again, you know, 99-2000, his first year in the American League. And keep in mind, this is a tough guy. Same mentality in a lot of games, at least when I saw him play pro, you know, one, two ships. I mean, you look, he didn't score much in the NHL. But I mean, what can you do on one or two ships? Right. And a lot of those guys that get one or two ships at the time don't have. I mean, Brownie had 28 goals in his last year, junior. Now we're starting to get into a sniper category. Right. He missed a few games and still had 28 goals because after I played with him in Red Deer, he played another two years with Kamloops. He got traded in junior. We'll get into that, too. But, uh, you know, for for a a tough guy, not quite a goon, but he was fighting all those guys. He was in the category of all of the above tough guys for that era. You know, 13 goals, 18 assists for 31 points, 284 minutes, first year pro. I'd love to get into this with him. And I will, because I mean, what did they want out of him? For me, if you could get, God, eight goals out of a tough guy, you've gotten more offense than you thought. Back then, now, I think, still fights, but you got to show me a little more. Give me something in the Milan Lucic category. 20 30 points, probably more than that this year. Luch is on fire, but you know, for him. But um, you know, that's premier for me. If you're if you're a tough guy, somewhat people would say goon. I don't, I don't really like that word. Because even the guys that got one shift can score. Darren Langdon is an example. D- Langer often got one shift. Some games he didn't play. I think he's got like 50 games. He didn't get one shift, so he didn't, it does not even count it as a game played. He'll tell you, actually, I gotta get him on one day. But Langer, you know, like Langer when he played junior, he led the, led his league in scoring. It was tier two, but you know, came back here to senior hockey. He's a good player. He's putting it in. So a lot of these guys got stories that they're, they're pretty good, but I mean, Mike Brown, 28 goals and major junior as a tough guy. And it's not easy. Of all the tough guys I remember from the era coming out of the West, Scott Parker, Rocky Thompson, Wade Belak, Oh, God, I could Rob Scurlack, Chris McAllister. I mean, you could put Surrey in that category, but he was, you know, he was as tough as them. He played more. But, you know, uh, God, I'm going, who did we have? Jeremy Thompson. We we were team tough. We didn't have one go-to. Ryan Brown. Jesus. But, uh, you know, all the guys I'm mentioning, each team had multiple tough guys. um, Alone in Red Deer. Lloyd Shaw, Lance Ward, Devin Francon, Stephen Pete, Lance, oh God, I didn't even fight there, barely. Um, Aaron Asham, God, he was like eighth on the totem pole. He's a killer. Well, of all the, well, Ash could score though, in, in and way. I, I'm starting to get off topic for, for the for the tough guy slash goon. I hate that word, but you know, Brownie put up 28 goals. They, they didn't expect Montreal picked Aaron Asherman, they expected a bit of scoring. He had 45 twice in junior. He was a score first. Brownie was a tough guy first. Okay, That's the difference. and but he's still, you know, for, for a guy in that role, he did well on the score sheet. Um, and I'll get to a little bit more about that in a second. There's a couple of things I want to get to. First thing, um, I just got to mention the, the racist. There's two incidents last week. Um, Jordan Subban, PK's brother, was uh, involved in one. Um, I forget the other. And, and I could look into it, but I don't want to. I'm going to recommend... I've spit and Chicklets did a nice little opening. I listened to it today on it. If, if you want an in-depth perspective, maybe listen to that. But I often get asked that stuff. And, you know, there's there's um, there's no place... In hockey for it i don't think i'll be totally honest when i was in peewee uh, we were playing against a team called F- uh, philadelphia the philadelphia little flyers at the quebec peewee tournament i've mentioned before and there was a black player on the other team and he said oh, like, he was being sarcastic he was calling me new you know which is i don't it's not i don't think it's close to the n-word but you know he was putting me down and he was one of their best players and you could hit in his peewee world you couldn't in mine but we were playing each other and um, they allowed a little bit of the rough stuff. So it was a scrum. And he said, I want to be just like you, Ryan, being sarcastic. And I said, oh, I'll go get the chalk. That's what I said. It's not a good thing, uh, but you learn. Right. And I came into the bench and I told everybody thinking that and they did the boys laughed, but again, you, you learn somewhere. I was never taught that, but in Newfoundland, we didn't really see minorities, let alone black people. We, It's just the culture we grew up in. And and I I never ever even heard the N-word if it wasn't on TV or in a song. And that's the truth. The 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 first time I I would even like I I remember being late before like in my life before I'd even heard it, like you know eleven or twelve before I even heard the word before. So we're kind of ignorant to it, you know, other than watching TV. And everybody I saw on TV black people were like my heroes. I I don't know, Mr. T, I don't know, Mike Tyson. Um, There were black players in the NHL uh, who I was a fan of, the guys who came in with me around my era, like Anson Carter, Kevin Weeks. They were like outspoken, great individuals. I I never really saw the obvious color barrier that, that exists out there until I left. And even when I first left, I went to Northern BC. It still wasn't really prominent, uh, you know, like the, the, the issue of race, not racism, but just the issue of it. It, it just still wasn't, I just didn't deal with it. And I went to the United States and Tri-City and okay, now there's, you know, 35% of my graduating class are minorities. Now I get it. But, but still, I never really came into conflict. I had no reason to develop any anger or negativity. And I'm not just saying this, trying to be pompous and moral, but I really didn't see that color barrier. I, I, I didn't see it as a divider as much as everybody else. It, it just wasn't in my wheelhouse. And uh, I, I always remembered that. And I, there was a couple of incidents when I got older and um, doing some humanitarian kind of work, charity work. You know, the teams that everybody does it. It wasn't just me obviously you go around to these teams and wherever wherever you are if you're playing in the east coast league or in the montreal canadians you're you're within that community i wouldn't use the word icon in the, in the case of like pk Subban in montreal yes but in the minors you know you're you're a for 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 a lot of people in the community you're you're looked up to for some kids you're their idols and so you got to watch your p's and q's and you start to kind of realize the landscape out there and, and a lot of the narratives and the cities that you go to that existed before you got there. So, you know, most of my dealing with any of that has been reactionary, like right now. Like when I heard George LaRock was, had racist comments hurled towards him back in the day, right? That was me kind of getting my feet wet, but just feet wet with that theme, I mean. And um, I don't know who's been my teammate the longest. Roger Maxwell, a big, black, tough guy. I I fought him in pro, but he came over and played senior hockey with us and hung out with with Maxie a lot. There's more than that, obviously, but he was probably Chicky Mentes, James Mentes. Right. So the players that I came across were like good friends. So I don't want to be, again, pompous and say that it would never occur to me to do that. But In the heat of the moment, for people that have grown up different uh, culturally, and again, I'm talking from the other perspective, I'm not qualified to talk about what it must be like as a black athlete, especially in hockey, which is dominated by white players. That's quickly changing, but, you know, I I don't know what that's like. I imagine it must be hard and um, you know, I had Sheriff McMorrow on a couple weeks ago, but we didn't really get too far into it. Maybe, maybe you guys wanted to hear that. Maybe I should have. I just felt, I, I feel it's negative And maybe that's selfish that I don't want to go there. There is something to Black Lives Matter right now. Do you need to go rioting? And, and maybe not. But when you're oppressed for a long time and voices need to be heard, you know, shit happens. And um, I'm not condoning all the violence or anything, but, you know, you can see where it came from. Just like the other side, like, you know, it gets out of hand, but just like, what what was it the, you know, again, I feel for Republicans and everything. I'm a centrist. I can see both sides, but I've said it before. I don't like Donald Trump. I don't want to get too far into it, but you know, there was an insurrection. There was a lot of shit that happened last January 6th. That was insane. But, but a lot of those people though, they, they weren't violent. They, there is something to what they're saying, whether they're pissed off about their, the economy or you know the left goes too far with a lot of things um you know i don't know whether it's abortion or or uh you know immigration or guns there's a lot of issues that are like you know they're really they're tough because both sides have a legit point and finding the middle ground sometimes can be fucking impossible um so I kind of went off the rails, but, but you know what I'm saying? Usually whatever movement, even if it seems wacky, there's a reason that it came into existence. And usually the reason is much more level-headed than the result ends up being. Uh, anyway, I just don't think, I think in this day and age, um, really, I like what biz nasty said. I think at the beginning of every season, you should maybe have that kind of sensitivity or, and I don't want to go too far here. I'm not one of those guys that thinks, Uh, we should all have five bathrooms or, you know, let's go too far with it. Everybody have a pink Jersey. Look, just accept people. You don't need to go too far with it. Acceptance and tolerance is important in our society. Right. But I think if we did that more and more and more at the beginning of every year, then subconsciously, maybe it wouldn't be in your head to hurl an insult. And a lot of times that's what it is. Right. It happened to me. Some people are you fucking stupid new because in their head there's a there's a stereotype already built up it has nothing to do with me right i i i don't want to name people out, but there's people that are my friends on other teams in junior that did it right now i'm not saying it's justified to turn around and go n word um but there are people that have said it that it's heat of the moment and you'll look into it and they're not actually racist it was just they had you know, less than one second, you think about your brain processing information and then spitting something out. Often the wrong thing comes out. I don't think that's the case in this case, in these two cases that just happened. Feel free to look them up. Um, But these people clearly, I mean, people say suspension. Yeah, but I think suspension is one thing. But it just kind of builds up anger and more divisiveness. I think maybe some sensitivity training or it sounds like a pussy way to put it, but but you know what I mean. Take these people and whatever you got to do. I'm no pro. I took social work in school. I mean, I've dealt with people, black, white, fucking red, brown. It doesn't matter, you know. When people are down and out, and I've done a lot of that type of work. Quickly, if you, if you do that kind of work or you travel, that's why I've often said like racism exists, and, and I, you know, to say that it doesn't is ignorant, but. A lot of people that travel the world start to have more of an open mind because you see that the further and further you way to get away from your comfort zone, you see that people all over the world of all different cultures and backgrounds, races, job, you know, uh, language, culture. There's all kinds of backgrounds that people have, and they live not always in harmony, but, you know, it exists, so... think the more you see that you know i work on movie sets and i travel playing hockey so you start to get numb to it everybody's you know you're you're, everybody's a traveler everybody's a human everybody's kind of struggling to get to the same goal which is happiness is it that easy i don't know but anyway i went too far on it as i already should They, they, they those black players have my support and i think we all should look back at um Herb Carnegie, Willie O'Ree, I think they just honored those players last week, guys like that who were uh, game changers. And although we've come a long way, and I want to acknowledge that, too, we've come a long way. There's always going to be incidents, but we've come a long fucking way. I know that in my lifetime. And that never, you know, really, really doesn't get brought up enough because each news outlet wants a story, whether they're right, left, fucking center, whatever they are. They want a story. But we have come a long way, right? I mean, can you imagine in the 80s, if you told me that gay people would get married, weed would be legal, um, and again, I don't want to, I don't know what it's like to be a minority and try to live in North America, but I do think now, I don't want to use the word easier, but there's definitely more brought to light And it seems to be growing in the trending in the right direction to me. I mean, you're talking about half a billion people here in North America. There's going to be slip ups, all those cop videos and stuff, of course, being a cop is a position of authority, being a preacher, a minister is a position of authority, being a teacher is a position of authority. So all teachers, cops, priests, all of those people, you can think of all of them, whether they've abused their power sexually or violently, whatever, we can think of examples. But again, the most of these people, most are good and are trying to do something good. But whenever you're in the position of power, there's gonna be people that abuse it. And unfortunately that dominates the news. But if you were to, if you were to just go by a news feed, you would think we were way worse off in 2021. But remember, in my dad's lifetime, black people had to sit at a different part of the bus than white people. Aretha Franklin had to sing, go out and perform in concert. And if, I don't fucking know, uh, Frank Sinatra was playing after her. She wasn't allowed in the concert. And this would happen. Okay? That was in my father's lifetime, who's still like, he's 69 years old, but he's a functioning human. No, not on wood physical problem we're going to vegas next week what i'm saying is that you know he's alive and on the go this wasn't 300 years ago and even then it would be too soon in the history of human existence you're talking about a fingernail hairline but it's come a long way it's still shitty i don't know what it's like to be a minority but it has come a long way so i'd like acknowledge that um okay ronnie specter I'll get into, after I interview Brownie, I'm going to leave you guys with, uh, I'm going to try to recommend an album locally and like a, you know, a mainstream album and then a local album you might not have heard of. We've got a lot of great music in Newfoundland, so why not promote it? So I'm going to try to remember, write down, I got like, all I do is go around with these notebooks, like, and I got like 20 of them with, Everything from interviews to jot notes. Anyway, I'm gonna to try to remember that. At the end of each interview segment, I'm gonna recommend a song, um, or a, at least an album or something. I'm gonna talk a bit of music. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. I can't go any further into this interview without saying congrats to Keith Yandel. I don't know Keith Yandel from Adam. The guys I'm going down to uh play hockey with in Vegas, spitting chiclets. They do, you know, he's I think he's Witter's real good buddy, but uh, to play 965 games in a row, I, I don't... Like, I remember hearing that. When I played in Montreal, Mark Recchi was the current Ironman at the time, the modern day of the era. And I think he was, like, well into the 400s straight games, which in hockey is nuts. Like, I mean it. Most people... Look, most people don't play the full year. Even if they're good and they don't have a major injury, at some point they might get a day of rest, right? Um, And, you you, you, you know, you, you don't go... it any hockey player out there at any level after hitting knows that I'm not saying they just take a game off. Like you're hurting, especially in the playoffs. I don't know anybody in any level of hockey playoffs that after game one, isn't starting ice and everything The playoffs is different, but you know, a regular season, even with all that hitting and chops and, and, you know, even accidental physicality, just, you know, you're ten, from the 10 game, that's why people, you can't pump iron much in the regular season. I don't know if people know that, but or think about it. But, you know, you see a guy, you know, you don't see a lot of real big players. Back in the day, you would see the odd goon. And I hate that word, but because I guess if you're going to get one shift and go and manhandle people, it was kind of acceptable. But it was hard, like, but then if, you know, if a guy like Dave Morset, say, that I played with, he was that guy, one shift a game. You know, but he could have been effective, but his body was just because he was spending so much time thinking about fighting that the way his body was built, I don't know if he could have even been finesse. It was, you know, but the the best tough guys, even Probert, if you look at him, he certainly wasn't like built like a bodybuilder. He had good cardio. People don't give him that, but he did. Um, But often, you know, you're not going to get bigger in the regular season, but you got to have stamina. You have balance, balance and stamina, I would say in hockey and being able to take a punch. I talked with Nasty Morasty about this and he, he thinks number one is being able to take a punch. Maybe so. Um, I would think one of those three. You got to have good balance. Or you can't you just can't get in. I've gotten into too many fights with guys that are way bigger than me. Um, you know, like a guy like Cam Jansen to, to see someone 6'6", that's supposed to be this big, tough guy, but they can barely skate it's like a walk in the park it's it's a gift because you just start shaking him around and bambi on ice and then you tune him in and he goes down different if we're in the bar you might kick the shit out of me but you know and stamina and i think if if you were to ask me about my fighting not that anybody did but you know what am i what else am i going to talk about right now um it was definitely like I knew I could take a punch, but I, I knew that after like a few fights in junior. But I didn't know the rest of it. But as we got older, I mean, I, I fought guys that were a lot bigger strength wise, even. I don't ever remember lifting for like power or anything. I could often not bench press my body weight I'm serious, but I always had strong cardio and I had great balance. And sorry, I always worked on my legs, though. I would run stairs. I still do that though, all the time. And I think that I I don't like core and like, you know, my core was always, I was always playing ball hockey, but I would do plyometrics from day one. That's one thing I always did. And I still do. So there must be something to that because having the big legs or at least strong legs, I know helped me because a lot of it when you're playing hockey and you're fighting is to just stay there. And, you know, people are trying to twist you around and they're, some of the tough guys are big boys. The guy I'm going to have on here, 6'4", 220. So when you fight them, you got to, and with balance, right? We wouldn't go on the first round. Well, you, you've you got to have some level of stamina and you've got to have a level of balance to you. And that comes from, in my mind, in hockey, core stuff, leg strength. So for me, honestly, I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I didn't see, like, when do you use your biceps in hockey? I never worked out on them, unless they, like, if you incorporate, I guess they're getting a little bit toned when you're doing push-ups i suppose but i never ever did like those curls or anything correct me if i'm wrong when do you use your biceps in in hockey um again of course i did i did the workouts and stuff i just so you know with with some circuit training you would get your biceps in there but i never remember giving it a second fucking thought biceps gives a shit um Kevin Callaghan asked me a question. I I meant to incorporate this the last two shows, and I haven't. I'll get into it more when I have Langer on. Actually, good question. You asked me about scraps in senior hockey. And when I first came back to play senior hockey, did everybody want a shot at the title? Well, I never really looked at it as I had a title. Thanks for the question, Kevin. Um, And the Newfoundland Senior League is pretty good. There was always tough guys coming in. Tristan Manson is one from Halifax. Uh, Darren Langdon played for Deer Lake. I fought him twice. Richard Paul played for my team. He was usually the guy to fight Manson. I mean, people did, but they respected me. And it wasn't the Quebec Senior League. Okay, Newfoundland Senior, the teams want to win. If a fight breaks out, great. And there's a few of them, but it's not like this foregone conclusion. I've gone full seasons in senior here and not fought. But what I will tell you is the first few years, you know, I... Senior's been great for me because I had to retire from professional hockey in 2003, 2004, that season. And if you'll look, it's um, at my stats, right? Like the last three or four years I played, I was only getting 30 or 40 games in. It's because my ankle it was a few other things, but that was the major injury. Not... That's how I knew. I knew I couldn't get back to the NHL because I would feel great on Friday. And then we'd play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I would always take off Monday. I'd go back to the rink and we'd be practicing usually say, that would normally be a weekend, whatever league you're in, you know, two games, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, one of those, you know, so, but it it would be like, I, I, I can't explain it other than like arthritic, like the injury had gone away itself. Right. But I'd had surgery and which I don't know, inconclusive, I guess, they tried to remove some scar tissue uh, that had built up, but I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't, couldn't get over that 40 game mark, right? It would just get to the point, it would seize up, then I'd need three days off. So that's why I retired from professional hockey. But senior hockey now, right? You're playing between 24 and 40 games a year. So I could do that. And I was pumped. And then ball hockey, I didn't feel it. So that's why I started going ball hockey ice hockey or ball hockey senior hockey. Um, but for the first seven or eight years I played senior, no one really, you know, Langer fought me twice. And uh, I got in the odd one. There would be it it wasn't really a case of give me a shot at the title because there was no one in the league that was looking to be the toughest guy. You know, it was just town against town. And there were tough guys involved, but they could, you know, Aaron Asham again came into play. Fuck Langer. Like I said, you know, um, within the senior league. Tristan Manson, another guy, look, look at his. I mean, he was a tough guy and junior pro and him and Langer had a couple of battles, but. I never really got tapped on the shoulder until it was about 2010-11 or 11-12, one of those seasons. Um, they made a limit on fighting. So you could only get in three and 24 games schedule, or 26 now, I think, whatever the league is. And as soon as that happened, people started asking me. And you would think it would be the other way around, but the reason was to get, obviously, right? And Langer's a good player here. And Langer started to be challenged more because people wanted us by the time playoffs comes to at least have our three fights in if not four or five, right? Three, they'd allow you'd get kicked out of the game. Then your fourth fight, you're suspended for a game. Your fifth fight, you were suspended for three games and your sixth you you're kicked out. So of course you'd have everybody in their brother who never would normally fight coming up and batting you in the head, three minutes left. Let's go where it's double the penalty. So it, it started to become an issue then, but in the last four or five years I played for the St. John's caps, virtually nothing. I got in a couple, but it was more my own doing and jumping in for a teammate. Nobody's asked me. uh, And that's, I think, indicative of just the way hockey's going. I don't think it's as physical anymore. And especially the, you know, the the senior ranks, you're just getting more and more people come back from major, junior, and pro. Still great hockey, but they did less fighting. So there's just less guys that want to do that. And, you know, I'm 45 years old now. My birthday the other day. And... I don't know if I was 23 and even thought about it. I I think I would probably respect someone that was there. I'm not saying I wouldn't, I'm not going to get challenged. And I don't want anybody to treat me different, but I think, you know, if you're 2021 now coming up with like some team, local senior team, Clanville or CBS, do you want to grab a 45 year old that's played in the NHL that fought in a tough era? I I don't know. I'm not saying I'd clean their clock either. I'm just saying, you know, I'm, have to be deteriorating right my body I don't want to admit that it doesn't feel like that yet but I have to be less of a human less of an athlete now than 20 years ago um so yeah I might get shit kicked but I'm just saying if I was that age I really wouldn't want to go at me if I didn't give you a reason you know I'm playing senior now not what I used to be doing I don't go around and I finish my hits if it's there maybe right? Maybe. I often don't. I work hard. I try to be in the right position. Um, score lots of points now in senior, you know. Um, playing with good players, of course. That, that's my goal, just to go out there, and I love playing. I love my teammates, but I don't go into any game thinking about fighting in senior hockey. Uh, now, give me a chance, and it's go time, okay? don't. I'm not all peace, love, and understanding here, but you know what I'm talking about, Kevin. Great question, and thanks for asking it. I have to give a shout out to team Canada. Thanks a lot. I made the masters team Canada was announced this week. I'm going to go with a good, one of my favorite line mates ever, Jeremy Bishop. Um, we've just had some spectacular tournaments together, um, in 2008. Now this is masters above 35. Okay. A lot of people have the two mixed up. I did play for the regular men's team, the men's a division, whatever you want to call it. Uh, from 2003 to through 2015, it's every second year. I won two world championships. I was part of another one, but I got injured before it started. And, you know, I, I don't really count that. Technically, three. And then I in 2018 was the last Masters, and we won. And Bish and I were the uh, top two scores. It was one. It was in Bermuda. It was outdoors. It was one of the greatest experiences of my life. And uh, I, I think a, a smart athlete would probably leave it at that. After that, I got voted into the Hall of Fame and. I figured the career was probably done from that perspective, but I don't know. I'm running every day. I feel good, and the tournament's in Czech Republic, and I got more than one reason I want to go back there. And I love competing. How after this, man, I know I'll never get a chance to put on a Canada jersey again, unless it's in some ceremonial fashion. I mean, why would I? I'm 45 years old, athlete, man. You know, I'm moving on now, and I'm I'm getting more and more acting opportunities, public speaking opportunities. So, in all likelihood this will be my last year of senior hockey and my last ball hockey tournament will be in September with team Canada, but I'm going to give it everything. I'm going to work out every single day and I'm going to go there and leave nothing on the table and I'll leave where, where whatever happens in this tournament, then I hope it goes all right. I don't want to go out on a sour note, which is why I'm going to train so hard. And I figure as long as I work hard, I've given enough to the game that, I think I can be content with that, but I know when I get there, we're going anything less than a gold medal is going to be uh, unacceptable for a few days. Uh, not individual, though. I, I don't mean to seem pompous. Um, use that word too much, but I, I, I don't. I don't want to seem braggadocious or narcissistic or egotistical. But you know, I've got three regular world championships, one Masters, Worlds two national championships and i'm in the hall of fame and the way i look at it honestly is that i'm taking even now i'm taking somebody's spot that hasn't got a chance to put on the jersey so this is definitely my last ball hockey Uh, same thing in senior hockey it's on a smaller level i guess relative but it's it's playing for the herder here is a big deal everybody uh, goes back 100 years the trophy it's uh very important to a lot of hockey players here. And uh, every year, the Herder gets thousands and thousands of fans. And, um, you know, even just playing for the caps, I'm taking somebody's chance to do that away. So I think any more after this of ice hockey or ball hockey, and I think I've worn out my welcome. And, uh, you know, as an amateur athlete, putting on the Canadian jersey is probably the biggest honor you can have, right? So, I guess there's a part of me inside that's being a bit selfish, but I want to go do it one more time. I'm not kidding you. Every time I do it, at least for a game, that I get goosebumps. And I've got to often do it in the bathroom area or whatever. i got to kind of walk out of the dressing room because I don't want to, I don't want the players to see me crying. And that's the truth. Um, just, you know, I thought my career as an athlete was over in 2003, almost 20 years ago. And George Gortzos and Tony Inito and Steve Power and Ian Morris for the most part through the last 20 years kept me focused, got me involved on this national level. And once I saw what was possible, I was like a dog with a bone, man. I, uh, I was given a new opportunity because of George and Tony in the ball hockey world. And um, I'll forever be grateful. My life changed. That first ball hockey world tournament I played in 2003 And I recommend the sport to anybody. It's not, hockey's becoming elitist. And um, a lot of players who probably would play professionally don't even have the opportunity to start because they don't have money for skates, let alone the rest of the equipment, let alone the registration, let alone the all-star fees, let alone the training. I think it's almost embarrassing as a hockey player that represents a lot of these people's, not as an agent, but, you know, Newfoundland athletes, Newfoundland hockey players, I feel in some way, I represent them. And a lot of times I do, you know, people from the mainland that want to call and get a tip on a player or want somebody's number for an interview or uh, you know, just want the goods on somebody as, as a coach, you know, what kind of person they are. I'm often there for them. And uh, you know, I can speak for a lot of people when I say that they think the game's getting too expensive, it's getting out of hand. Uh, but ball hockey, you know, you need a, basically ball hockey derives from street hockey and i think if you really think about it more people play street hockey than they do ice hockey because street hockey is going on you got a ball you got a stick you don't even really need a net you need two sneakers or two goalposts but you know with a net game of street hockey even registration for ball hockey all that is peanuts compared to ice hockey and a lot of people can run right so they can immediately and if they have an affinity for hockey then they they can immediately make the transition because they can run Right. So I think it's a growing sport. I think someday it'll be in the Olympics. I'm kind of surprised it's not. Um, If women's hockey's in and nothing against, I mean, I'm the biggest supporter. I think it should be in, but for years, there was only two teams that were going to win. So if, 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 if the reason that ball hockey is not in is because there are two or three teams competing, it's not true anymore. Canada, we won four in a row. Slovaks are at three now. I think they'll tie it if they win the next one. Czech's good. But uh, India was in the final a few years ago. Um, they, you know, a lot of Canadians that have dual citizenships that play ice hockey go over there and start it out, and then, you know, ball hockey takes off. Imagine. Um, Latvia is a good team now. Russia were never even part of it when I was younger, but now they are. Uh, it's, mu- it's the last Worlds I played in, there were 16 teams, two divisions of eight. So it truly is a worldwide sport now with teams like Bermuda, like I said, Australia., um, Latvia who there, there's another couple of teams that you. Oh, Haiti is there. like so it's represented and there's a big following. We go to the worlds now every year, even the Nationals, if the nationals are here in Newfoundland, it's sold out. but wherever we are, we're starting to get more and more fans. So the interest is there and it's a mainstream sport now, at least in Canada. So I think it will be in the Olympics one, one day, will I be alive? Uh, Probably not. But anyway, I think it will be. Um, Bell let's talk. So in Canada here, it's bell let's talk day. I believe judging by I've only looked at my phone twice today, but I saw two bell let's talk messages. So I think it is. Um, It's turning into every, uh, you know, more and more people are jumping on board. And I think that's a big thing. I've always said I wish people were as cool with the mental health issues and acceptance when I was younger, because I think when we say mental health, there is like, you know, there used to be a stigma. I think that's quickly leaving the conversation, but there still needs to be work. But, you know, they're starting to get a foggy line. Say the other day with Antonio Brown, when he freaked out, any football fans, he freaked out. Took his jersey off. He stomped off the field. He was pissed off. And it's not his first time doing something like that. So you might say mental health issue. But people, I don't, I'm starting to have a bit of a problem with like, yes, but he's still a jackass for doing it. I don't, if, if, if we start using it as a scapegoat or a reason, you know, like you can have mental health issues, but know how to manage them. And you're still wrong. Right? Would I have Antonio Brown as a teammate? No way. This is like the fourth time he's done it. He's conscious of it. Now, is it a mental health issue? For sure. It has to be. What's, what's the definition of mental health issue? I've often had anxiety enough to drive my car into a fucking wall. Right? I've often, Jesus, how many times have I punched something? Or, you know, recent years... You know, but again, I see sports psychologists, you know, people that are schooled in therapy and, you know, they educate me on this kind of stuff. But. And I know that I had mental have mental health issues, but I just think a lot of people do. I think it's part of being human when you face adversity. How does your brain react? Some people worse than others. You know, I've gone five days without sleeping. That must be a mental. And I don't mean partying, although. Got a couple. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? I've, I've had anxiety that that would kill a fucking elephant. But I still know if I grab a gun and go out and shoot somebody that I'm wrong. It's not an excuse to do. But, but I do think that the conversation is changing in a great way. And more and more people... That's why I'm saying you need to talk. It's not necessarily for your own benefit always it's it's very the other people you're talking to right like when often i mean people know the way where i stand on this so i often i'm not going to tell anybody but he's specific name but i often have friends family that will approach me with something like this you know terry i'm going through and i'm like it usually is therapeutic for me too because i can relate in some way i can't relate to i don't know schmitty last week losing his son i, I just can't i don't know. But I can relate to losing somebody. and it's not good. So having empathy, you know, is possible. I, I, I just talk about minorities. I fucking don't know what it's like to go through that and have that internalized. But I've seen it happen to people and I've seen them, them react. And I guess sympathy would be a better word, but um, compassion, you know. So... And when it comes to mental health, let's have more compassion. But, and I'm, I'm saying this because I made a comment about Antonio Brown amongst buddies at the bar and at the restaurant. Heaven forbid I say bar, we're still banned over here from, that has to fucking change soon too. But anyway, we're at Green Greensleeves, I brought it up. I was half on, but my buddy brought that up. Well, you know, lay off, it's mental health. It might be. It, it, well, then he got to go get help, but he's sensible enough to know that it is. And I don't care. I mean, a lot of people You know, I don't know. Brad Marchand grabbed the fucking guy and kissed him. So his tendencies out there. I mean, you don't know what he's going to do, but he keeps it in check for the most part. I don't know. Think of the biggest flip outs ever. So it's in people to do it. Fuck hockey players, basketball players have gone into the stands and started fighting. I mean, shit gets out of control once in a while. But even if you're going through some kind of a mental problem at the time, it doesn't give you a license to do it. That's all I'm saying. So I do have total uh, sympathy, empathy, for people with mental health issues, if you want to talk, reach out and fucking talk to somebody. You need to. But it doesn't give you a license to be an asshole. I stopped there. And Antonio Brown, I'm sorry to say, is a very, very talented football player. But I would not have him on any fucking team that I was ever a part of if I had anything to do with it. And that is the truth. Now, the last thing I'm going to bring up before we move on to Mike Brown, looking forward to this, is last week I tiptoed around the McDavid and Drysdale. I had this Drysdale. Someone asked me a question about the Edmonton Oilers. And, you know, was it with the reporter that asked Drysdale about being pissy or whatever it would be? And, you know, I kind of danced around it because I feel almost blasphemous by saying that anything bad about Connor McDavid, because look, I'm Canadian. I love, I want to see him play. I was hoping this year to watch at the Olympics, but I'm sorry. I can't, I can't even say he's the best player. Now he looks like it, but I got to stop short of people comparing him with Wayne Gretzky. I'm stepping in and I, I almost feel like a jackass when I say it. So, and that's why I'm often hesitant, but the Gretzky comparison's got to fucking stop until he does something. Get into the fucking playoffs. Win a game. Now, again, I hate, it, it's like Stephen A. Smith ever see on ESPN when, when you know, he's a Michael Jordan fan, and he puts LeBron number two. But people get pissed off, but he's like, fuck, I'm putting him number two of all time and in, in fucking 70 years of basketball. Well, it's, it's what I'm saying. Like, McDavid is a magician. I love watching him. I tune in. I stay up those games in, in Alberta home games are three and a half hours after or earlier. So I get to stay up till like 12 o'clock midnight. Not that I don't once in a while, but just to watch a game. So I love, uh, it, you know, and, and later and I love watching them. It's, it's great. It's it reminds me when Patrick Kane first came into the league and watching him and Crosby, it's, it's fun, but you know, Gretzky a didn't lose this much. And I know, I know that it was different, but I mean, anybody let's go Lemieux, Crosby, Kane. I don't know all these big number one picks when they come in, but I know that's not their fault. So let's, but some of it has to be, but let's say let's ignore that. Now, what I said to you guys before, I wasn't sure about the stats, but now, right now I just brought up what I remember. I brought up the stats from the eighties on. So the NHL scoring leaders. Remember what I said, me and Ken Reed like to say the term relative dominance, right? Like I always use Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth for years until, you know, Maguire and then Bonds broke it. It's steroids or no steroids, whatever. In the late 90s, early 2000s, some baseball players broke the home run record. It was Roger Maris who had 61, I think like in the early 60s, he had 61 home runs. He beat Babe Ruth's unachievable record of 60, Right. But when Ruth had 60, the second guy had 14. Okay. When Maris had 61, it was still a lot, but all kinds, like, I don't know, right? But Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle, I'm going back. And sh- shortly after who Hank Aaron, you know, there were players that were power hitters that had 40 and 50. And then, you know, in the eighties, whether I can remember, you know, baseball, when I was growing up coming in, uh, Canseco, McGuire, I don't know, even like Joe Curry, you know, you you were watching home run hitters and it was spectacular, but Babe Ruth relative dominance to me, his 60 or more eye drop jaw dropping because the game clearly he was way, way ahead of the game. It started catching up, but he's still got one of the best seasons ever. It was a hundred years ago, right? Relative dominance. So I've often said with, 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 for 15, 16, 16 years in a row, other than the one year that they were both hurt, Jäger won it, Gretzky or Lemieux won the scoring. Now, relative dominance. I don't mean they won the scoring. Here, 1979-80, Gretzky's first year in the league. Marcel Diani ties, 137 points. They tie, right? Second year, Wayne Gretzky, 164 points. Marcel Dion, 135. So now Gretzky's starting to win. Now he, he's pulled away there by 30 points, which is a lot, right? That's a lot. 1981 82, Wayne Gretzky, 212. Mike Bossy, 147. Okay, now just start to think about that. 65 more points. He's starting to lap the field. 1982 83. Wayne Gretzky, 196 points. Peter Stastny, second, 124. 124. Gretzky is starting to win by closer to 100 points than 50. 1984, 85. Wayne Gretzky, 208. His teammate, Yari Curry, 135. Dale Chuck 130. Wayne Gretzky is more than. He's starting to be. Wait, wait, one more. 1985 86, Wayne Gretzky, 215 points. Number two, Marilyn Mew, rookie, 141. And then after that, Mike Bossie, 123. Now, The next season, 86-87, where Lemieux starts to get injured. We're like in his third year. Lemieux, 63 games, 107 points, so almost two a game. Gretzky, 79 games, 183 points. Number two, Yari Curry, 108. 108! The next season. Lemieux, 168. Gretzky, only 64 games played, 149. Denny Savard, 131. Every game played. Next season, Lemieux, Gretzky, 199, 168. Eisenman, again, every game the other guys miss some, 155. The next season, Gretzky. This season, Lemieux only played 50 games. He had 123 points. Gretzky, 142. Number two, Messier, 129. Again, 90 91. Gretzky, 163. Second, Brett Hall. Lemieux missed this whole year with cancer. Gretzky, 163. Hall, number two, 131. A full 32 points ahead of anybody else once again. Now we're getting into, like, Gretzky's, like, in his early 30s. 92-93, Mario Lemieux, 160. Pat LaFontaine, 148. But you know what's key? He won by 12 points, which is quite a bit. Mario Lemieux had cancer and was undergoing chemotherapy. He didn't play his first game until the 25th game of the year. I'm reading right now, Pat LaFontaine, 84 games played, 148 points. Maryland Lemieux, 60 games played, 160 points. Beat him by 12 points. He played 24 less games. And they were the first games because he was getting cancer treatments from the summer. And I play, I've played with guys that are friends of mine that have been in the dressing room. a lot. Lots of those games he couldn't practice. And he had to have the trainer come in and do up his skates because he couldn't bend over because his back was hurting too much from... Not only the back injuries, the cancer. And he's still lapping the field. 95-96. Mario Lemieux, 169, with only 70 games played. Number two, Jagger on his own team, 149. 12 more games played. Third, Joe Sackick, 120. 82 games. So Lemieux had 70 games played, 161. Sackick had 82 games played. All of, well, I guess he missed two. 120. So, you know, what's funny about that. 84 games played in 92, 93 uh, guys got traded and played all the games because only 82 then. Anyway, anyway, what I'm saying is that that's relative dominance. McDavid is in fourth in scoring as we speak. I love watching him play everybody like I know I'm going to get fucking hate mail for this, but I'm not ready. I'm not even ready to say he's as good as Sidney Crosby because when the fucking playoffs start, Braden Point's going to turn it on. Crosby's going to turn it on. You know how many years Crosby's team has been average and him and Malkin and Latang. like, I don't know. They got enough in my mind in Edmonton to work with. If these guys don't make the fucking playoffs, I don't want to blame it on Tippett or Holland or anybody else, right? They'll all have a piece of the pie to share, but that's its own thing. But stop saying that he's better. Connor McDavid is better than Wayne Gretzky or Mario Lemieux, for Jesus' sakes. that's To me, it's almost blasphemy. It's a fucking total disrespect. Not even close. Now, could he be someday? Yeah. And like I said, he doesn't have to get 212 points. He doesn't have to win by 85 points or whatever, 90, like Gretzky did. Although, think about that. But at least win it. I don't care if 50 points wins. If, If the goalies get way bigger and the nets get way smaller, it's going to be tougher to score. But if you win the scoring 10 years in a row and then talk to me, I don't care how many you get. And if you get 50 points, well, okay, number two gets 27. That's Gretzky. Imagine nearly winning the scoring multiple years by 100 points. I don't give a fuck if there was a pylon in that. I don't care if it was an empty net. No one else was doing it. Right? And I, I just, I, I hate watching these new agers with recency bias watch mcdavid go end-to-end four times and then crown him the best player ever when the boys went through the toughest fucking era got hit cross checked, spit at everything you don't think they had pressure gretzky and them came in they lost to the mighty islanders who won four in a row in the early fucking 80s they didn't have anything won and they had all this pressure because they all these great players but they made it happen not only did they win one, they won four. They won five. They won four with Gretzky. And then he kept going. He went to L.A., brought them to a final against the Habs in 92-93, which was insane. The fucking the Kings sucked a few years before that. Lemieux went first overall because Pittsburgh were in last place. Four years later, they got a cup. I'm just saying. Different circumstances. But, you know, guys, it's all good, but it's responding, too. In the last few games, now McDavid did score in overtime last night. But puck didn't hit his stick either but um someone asked me that but he i'm not sure the rule i thought it had to hit your stick but if you look at slow-mo it didn't but he, he directed the stick in anyway and i'm telling you i root for Connor mcdavid and i want him to win the scoring i i, I generally i mean i don't like separating dividing lines in hockey but i do cheer for canadians especially in olympic year and then, ideally, this year he would have come first, and McKinnon would come second. Crosby'd be up there with it, you know. So I and I love him, and he's a great player, and I love watching Leon Dreisaitl. But um, to say that they're as good as Wayne Gretzky or Mario Lemieux or any of these players or Gordy Howe even or Rocket Richard, I don't know. A, you haven't fucking played long enough, and I'm sorry, you just haven't done it. Real exceptional player, exceptional players. Most of us will be talking about McDavid when we say this um, and I'm just not ready. Maybe soon. I think it's in him. I do. I think he might, but again, 20 games ago, they were lapping the field, right? They were like, are they going Is someone finally going to get 200 points. Now today, Alexander Ovechkin is leading the scoring and John Hubert second. The boys are tied, I think, but I, I do think, I don't think the Oilers are going to lose another 15 straight. I think if I was a betting man, I would still bet on McDavid to win the scoring, just looking at him. But, I mean, he might not. And there's a a big might not. By this time in Gretzky's career, Lemieux's career, they were way out in front. Five games in, they were they didn't look back. So it's not the same, and he's not better. I don't care what you say. And there might even be hockey players that disagree with me. Fine. I don't give a shit. I'm sticking by Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky. Until I see otherwise... Statistics fucking mean something and they're better and they do. And that by extension, um, people say like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, I'm sorry, but statistics fucking matter. And Rogers just blew it again. He's going to get the MVP It's tough in football. There's one game, but you know, remember towards the end of the year, Rogers guy touchdown against Chicago, I think. And he went over in the camera. I own you. Well, what would San Francisco say to him? I just think it's bad karma. What's he owing for in the last He's blown the last two years against San Francisco in the playoffs. I believe, you know, they had 10 points. What one passing touchdown, if any, the same thing. Don't put him with Tom Brady. What the fuck? Think about this in, in football here. Here's some guys in football or, or some stats and some guys <clears throat> the Steelers and the Patriots have the most Super Bowls ever since it went to the NFL from like the AFL. I don't know. It was the fifties or sixties. It was way back. So in that amount of time, the Patriots have six titles, Super Bowls, and so do the Steelers. Well, Tom Brady as a player has seven. Okay. Tom Brady has seven as a fucking player. Wayne Gretzky is the leading goal scorer of all time. Well, he would still be the leading goal scorer if he never scored, or sorry, point scorer if he never scored one goal. That's the same kind of stat, you know? Like, stats that, what? whoa! Well, 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 what? Right? And that the, here's the greats for me, these stats. Brady's definitely won. He's got more Super Bowls than the winningest team has Super Bowls. He's got more himself when he picked up that one in Tampa than the next team, which is the team he played on, New England type of Pittsburgh that's a crazy stat the fact that he's playing at 45 and runner-up for likely runner-up for MVP is, is nuts but the, but those like to me one or two stats separate every like you look whoa okay like each great player um where uh Michael, Michael Jordan six finals appearances and here's a guy I hate when they go the straight like LeBron will play till he's probably 42 but longevity doesn't necessarily like Gordy Howe played longer than Wayne Gretzky or Lemieux but I I'm sorry, I love Gordy, and he's on the Mount Rushmore, but you're not one of those guys, at least not scoring-wise. Um, well, same thing, like Jordan, I mean, he went a couple of years, he took off to play baseball, right, in the peak, in his peak years. Um, you know, then he comes back at the end to play with Washington. I think he was part owner, and, you know, it was just eye candy for the fans, but he did it and it brought his overall stats down. Well, when, when Michael Jordan got into the outside of his crazy personal statistics, six finals, six wins, he never even let any other team get to a game seven. Four sweeps, then he won in five and he won in six. To me, that's that's incredible. You get to six finals, you win each and every one of them. So that's that um, the, the, the Gretzky thing. And, and more than one of those years, he would have won his the scoring, just not assists. But he's more assists of all time than, than the next player with the most points. Messier, jagger Howe—all those guys don't have as many po- points together, goals and assists, as Wayne has assists. And I find that mind-boggling. <coughs> Tiger Woods—I um, think he held all four majors, but not all in one year. But he held them all at the same time. I mean, it's golf. You're hitting like it's crazy. There's a lot of parity for one player to be that dominant. Um, You know, and I I think just the greatest players have this. A lot of it seems unachievable kind of statistics behind them. Well, I don't know. I know I grew up watching every player I mentioned. I probably grew up watching. So maybe I have a recency bias against it. Like maybe someone who's 100 years old will tell me Cyclone Taylor was better than all of them. I don't know. Come to the table with your arguments. Statistics mean something. And uh, we'll go from there. Anyway, I've been going on and on. I know I did mention Ronnie Spector earlier. Uh, I'm not sure if I elaborated, but uh, in the Ronettes, she's got a crazy life story and I don't want to go any longer because I've gone almost an hour. But um, I'm going to get to the, yeah, I'm going to get to the, sorry, Ronnie Spector. Just check it out. My favorite Ronnie Spector moment is in the Take Me Home Tonight video. Eddie Money, Take Me Home. Check it out on YouTube. Uh, It was a bit of a, not a resurrection of sorts of sorts metaphorically a resurrection of her career. Uh, she was, she didn't have the easiest life at parts. She was married to Phil Spector, uh, but she was the lead singer of the Ronettes who are really, really an underrated band. Probably if you've seen dirty dancing, you've heard the song, be my baby, do a deep dive. I think my favorite, well, be my baby, but baby, I love you. Um, they, and they have a great Christmas album. You probably all heard that anyway. Ronnie Spector deserves the dive. Check it out. Uh, The Ronettes, I would recommend first of all her work, but check out the video for Take Me Home Tonight. Eddie Money, worth your while. Long live uh, Ronnie Spector. Rest in peace. Okay, Mike, first round Brown coming right up. Folks, we're on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is celebrating with a huge odds boost for new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, New customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Just bet $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the action of the divisional round. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Ladies and gentlemen, my next guest was a heavyweight fighter with a flair for offense highlighted by a 56-point season in Kamloops of the WHL in 1997-98, while also spending a whopping 305 penalty minutes in the sin bin. This deadly combination of skill and strength led to the six-foot, four-inch power forward being selected as projected in the first round, 20th overall to the Florida Panthers of the NHL in the 1997 draft. Injuries would take a toll on a body that goes that hard, but not before seven years of pro hockey and parts of four seasons in the NHL with the Canucks, Mighty Ducks, and Blackhawks. He is a wild Westerner, a tantalizing teammate, a selective sniper, a radical rebel, a blue-eyed bad boy, pretty good pro he is a tough guy for sure but the kid can really score he was one of the best at toughness out west he likes to have fun and he owns lots of guns his shot is a laser and he played for the blazers he can be a real witty and he played in kansas city struts when he walks and he played for the hawks we had many a beer when we played in the deer he once won a bronze and he played in st john's i've seen him nervous but never back down put your hands together for a first round mike brown here he is ladies and gents brownie good to talk to you in person
1: Yeah, great, great to be on. That's a hell of an intro, my man.
0: Well, you deserve it. We had a good time together all those years ago. Um, Right now, I'm guessing, I mean, I follow you. I know you're out in, are you in Vancouver proper? I know you're out west and you're working Uh, at a Harley dealership, right?
1: Yeah, Langley, just uh, depending on the traffic, half hour from downtown Vancouver or two, three hours, maybe a day, depending on traffic.
0: And Brownie, do you still skate anymore?
1: I try not to that much. Um, I, I play a lot of Canucks alumni charity stuff. We do have a skate weekly. I haven't made it out to many this year just because I have my daughter half time and it kind of falls on one of those nights.
0: You have your daughter half the time, which leads me to believe you're in the boat of divorce, as am I.
1: Uh, yeah, divorce and uh, common law separation. So, yeah.
0: You Super got the double fan. whammy going. Yeah. <laughs> I like the kids, though.
1: They're, they're good
0: shit. Hey, I'm only laughing because I know that. I I follow you on Instagram. You got a good relationship with your family and everything. And life happens. I think a lot of us are in that boat. So I'm going back. We got you for 45 minutes, folks. Mike is actually at his dealership now at work. Um, but I wanted to have you on and it's short notice, but I'm glad you said yes. Tell me all about it. I played junior in BC when I was mage. You went to Merritt. As a kid, I don't know what happened before that. And you know, I remember you talking about this. For, to put it in perspective for people, I met Mike in 1997. It was the 96-97 season. I was sent back to Red Deer from Montreal. Two years older, we play a similar game, you know, in that power forwards that went in the first round. That hadn't happened yet. We could all see the writing on the wall it was going to happen. But it hadn't happened yet. But I remember you telling me before hockey DB or any of that, that you did a lot of fighting. And now I'm looking at it. 128 minutes for a guy 15 years old now how did that all happen how did you get to merit and did you expect to go high in uh the nhl draft when you were just 15 or 16 years old
1: um well i was coming off of a, a pretty good minor hockey league career i guess in, in penticton and um why I penticton
0: knew- aren't you from surrey
1: no i was born in surrey and then Kind of lived everywhere. My dad was RCMP, so I, we went in New Vic, Fort McPherson, Hazleton, and then we were in Summerland, Penticton, for the bulk of my childhood. So I got, I got to see most of Western Canada growing up.
0: Um, and why merit?
1: Uh Well, I needed a place to play because I really wasn't going to develop anymore in minor
0: hockey. Like, were you thinking about fighting in Bantam and you can't really do that? So you said, I'll play junior. No, I, I,
1: was, I was pretty damn skilled. I was a buck 50 soaking wet too. So it was probably best that I didn't fight that much back then. But,
0: but what I'm saying uh, is that you came in, and by the way, I'll get into it. For a guy that was known as tough as you were, fuck, you scored a lot. 28 goals in one fucking seat. Like, I remember... Scotty Parker having 23, I think, and going like, okay, not every tough guy can say this. All all the power in the world, Rob Skurlak, and more Rocky Thompson love those guys, but I don't think they could have put up those numbers. So when you were younger, then I'm saying this, Brandon, because when I met you, you were buck 70, but you were the toughest guy playing. So yeah. it took me like a few, it almost took me by surprise because you do have a neck. We I practiced for two weeks before I played, and you were out there with me. I was going, this guy got decent head. So when you were 15, you, were, you went there thinking more about... I, I was thinking, you know what? He can't fight in Bantam, so he went there so he could fight. But you're saying you went there as much to develop as a player?
1: Yeah. I mean, Red Deer... Like, I had a couple options on the table that year. Um, Red Deer was going to bring me in, and I was going to play for their midget yeah. program there. I was going to... I made a couple other junior teams, and even Notre Dame was on the table... For a year, I needed. I needed to go somewhere for a year. Uh, my grandparents lived in Merritt, so it seemed to be a pretty good fit. If anybody's familiar with Merritt, it's pretty comparable to Letterkenny. Uh, <laughs> a lot of different yes, It uh, is. Yeah.
0: You're, That's a, a good comparison.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll drop that one there for you. They're uh, <laughs> on-screen debut there. Um, but it is. It's a bunch of different factions, bunch of partying, junior hockey, locals, hicks, skids, all that, fights at push parties. It, it, it was a gong show. And I mean, I still got a group chat of merit buddies since I was 15. So, you know, I, I got some pretty good friends coming out of there. But um, how the fighting came along is, I was out there, I, I came off 100 points in 25 games of minor hockey. And I'm, you know, I'm going around and I'm doing all right. And then Jason Hitchens, a good Prairie guy, was one one, is one of the guys, mentioned guys that was going to handle the fighting and get a, right. it felt like about a five minute conversation out there, but it was probably, you know, 15 seconds where he had to convince me that I needed to fight him. The coach wanted to see if I had him Cajons and, You know, eventually he talked me into it and we had a pretty good go, Uh, didn't get fed my lunch. And, you know, you know what it's like, it's an adrenaline rush, you're a punk kid, next game out, you know, fight somebody else, fight somebody else, then you you start climbing the ladder and then other guys keep wanting a shot. And I'm sure some of the veteran guys I fought, thought that, hey, you know, I'm gonna teach this cocky little 15 year old a lesson. And, you know, kind of went the other way so that's kind of how the fighting came into it because I mean you know go back to when I'm 12 13 14 I'm a big kid I'm kind of cocky you know back then not like today you know you said something dumb you risk a fat lip and I kind of got bullied a bit because I looked older and the older kids did it I'm all you know, it was probably 50 50, I deserved it. And 50 50, <laughs> yeah, some of
0: it definitely. Trust me, I saw you out yeah. there, <laughs> so
1: but, I mean, yeah. So,
0: did you go in the but, Bantam draft? I'm yeah, guessing you went, went high,
1: yeah. I think I went like sixth or seventh. I told I a few teams I had a really good relationship with Carter Sears, he For was red the head scout in red Deer in our day, and um. Me and the family kind of agreed that hey, Red Deer would be a place I want to land, and told some other teams uh, that I was going the college route, and you know, so I could end up in Red Deer. I think I was ranked like two or three, two or three in the Bantam draft.
0: Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. So my year, I go there '96, '97, and it's funny, Brownie, because it's it, we're similar players, but two years is a lot in junior, and. I'm thinking about it now. And, you know, we had a really tight team. I was talking about it with Schmidt. Even guys, remember, like, Vladimir Bednash? Like, I I don't remember him ever playing when I was there. He was just always a black ace. But he felt like part of it, right, because we would include him. You know, I kind of knocked you down a bit when I went there because I'm a left winger. I'm shooting left wherever you put me. I'm a good forward that maybe took a little bit of your power play time away. You never looked at it like that. You had 19 goals. I'm looking. And that's a great year for someone with 243 penalty minutes. It's your draft year. Oh. I didn't think about it like that when I went there, but you got to figure in the regular season, I played 16 games.
1: Yeah. And you got to figure Another you might have had
0: one more. You didn't, with being a 20-goal scorer, you didn't once. There wasn't any animosity. If, if anything, you loved it. You came over to me right away, said, is there any advice? You, you know, you, I'm probably going to get drafted fairly high. I mean, the, the rankings were out. We all knew it. You weren't being cocky. And, you know, I remember us right right off the bat. Now, it helped that we could – it was different. I went to – like I said, to Tri-City. I wasn't in the bar once in four years. It was 21. Everybody knew who we were. We weren't getting in. Not saying we didn't go to house parties. But Red Deer, I remember, like, immediately getting there, heading to Mort's with all the boys. So I remember you and I having this conversation over, like, six beers. as And, and I guess it was a different world. But, you know, well, how was that for you in your draft year and playing I'll with us? Like did it?
1: Things, though. Well, one – you, you know what it was like. You're, you're coming up, you're like, I, that guy, that guy, that guy. And then same thing when you get to an NHL camp. You're like, that guy, that guy, that guy's a bet. I want to follow his lead. So I knew who you were. I, I knew the stats. We all had the little WHL guidebook. And yeah. you're, you were sitting there with the Montreal jersey. I knew you fought. <laughs> I saw the numbers you put up. I'm like, hey, I want to hang out with this guy. I want to get you know, pick his break. And then obviously the fact that we could do it over with beers was a bonus. So,
0: well, we're very um, similar.
1: That that, You know, you you try to, and that's why I say, you know, in business now, like hockey kind of set me up for what I'm doing now, like the life lessons and that, like you in hockey, you can see good, bad, and ugly. And if you take the right things and the right attitude from it, it'll help you develop as a person or a businessman or whatever the hell you want to do. But back to the whole nineteen goals. I had fifteen at Christmas. I, I remember I t- that I was yeah. tied with Marlowe. Yeah, I mean, I think isn't he still playing? <laughs> like,
0: I know it's wild. Well, Thornton
1: that- well, is. I mean, was- Chara
0: is. Chara was in our league that year, playing for Prince George.
1: Yeah. yeah, he was. I well, that was another story. Is I don't think you were there yet because we had an early season. Uh, yeah, I wasn't. Our, I, I was- heard
0: about this. Go ahead.
1: So yeah, we were. We were. Uh, you know, people talk and it's not quite like it is nowadays where it's set up and it's online and it's all over social media. But, you know, the buzz goes in like, oh, Brown's going to, Brown and Char are playing each other. Okay, well, here we go. Set it, put it on the calendar. And of course, Char is, what was he, 6'7, 250, doing yeah. two to, to front stages in the offseason for training. Like the guy's a machine and why he's still playing. But I remember, and I was 6'4", 6'5", 183 in my draft year. You know, I was, I was wiry, though. So.
0: You were wiry. Uh, That's we a great word. go in
1: there, and Shara's not out in warm-up. And I'm like, okay, well, oh, darn. Yeah, and I, I actually, had, I actually had three goals and an assist that night. So I was nice. like, yeah, this night went a drastically different direction, I think. So. <laughs>
0: But it was, I remember hearing that, it, and I used to pride myself on stamina. Well, I, I didn't, The, the Red Deer's the only team I didn't fight on. I, now I was coming off a concussion. Yeah. And that's part of the reason, Brownie, I picked there. Like you were talking to me, but for like you fucking, you know, Petey and Shawzy and Frank and and I can go down the list, Lance Ward. Ash, tough team. Ash, the that was part of my, because I remember I, I was, started the year in Montreal and when the writing was on the wall, and I had missed some time with injury. Ray Jean Hull just said, which team do you want to go to? Because you're, you're Tri-City are in last place. I'm going to send you to a team. There's four or five that are calling. And Tri-City were great. They got on the phone with me and they were like, we're going to put you where Montreal wants. They are all offer us a decent – I think Red Deer gave them a high pick. Red Deer were going for it. That's generally what you do in junior. Yep. So, um, I, I, But the, re- the big biggest reason I chose was because I was coming off a concussion – and I'm lippy, and I I just didn't want to have to deal with a lot of fights. I just didn't. I figured, let me go back and concentrate on scoring for for the last part of the year. And, and you guys, having you around me, I didn't get touched. I remember the celebrating we used to do. I used to score goals and go right in front of the bench and rub it in. And the first person that came, out, I was very protected. So thank you.
1: I don't know. You picked the right. It was a great fit all around. I mean, and. and you were more valuable scoring goals for us with whether it was like your cheeky little back ends or your fake rim around the fake dump ins and scoring you, you didn't have to and that was it was a great fit because we got that somebody you know a veteran guy that that could do that and then the rest of us we were going to do it anyhow so it was like you said it was, it was just a great fit for us and It was a, it was a fun run for sure. It was
0: great to watch you at that, seeing a guy in his draft year. That was, um, you know, I had penalty minutes, but I, I just, you were in a category. You, you were, you were one of the heavyweights of the league and, you know, watching you navigate around that. I'll, I'll never forget it because everybody approaches it differently. And I would just gone through it two years before it, it was very similar. And I remember coming into my first year in the American league. And I had 21 goals. And I remember at the end of the year being a long year. I remember going, this is the longest year I've ever played. First year pro. It's fun, but there's all of a sudden a little bit of competition in the room and guys are looking around. And I remember one of the years I had the most fun, I'm not just saying it because you're there, is definitely 96, 97 at Red Deer. There's not a lot to really not like. Great players, great, great run. At the time we'd gone, we went on the biggest run they'd ever had. We had the whole town behind us, city behind us, sold out every playoff game. But I remember coming in the AHL and and, and having a hard time. And at the end of the year going, I played 71 games. I had 21 goals, 256 minutes. And I said, I think I've had a decent year. Like, what did they want out of me? And I'm looking at you. Now, they drafted you for a reason. You were an all-round player, power forward, who could really fight. And, you know, you could put the puck in the net better than most fighters. And I'm looking. 71 games played, 13 goals, 18 assists, 31 points with 284 minutes in, in the... I don't know what else they would have wanted, but you did get your shot that year. You play your first game in the NHL, and I see you had five minutes. Who was that against? Uh, Reed Lowe. Reed Lowe. Lowe. I fought him in, uh, when he was in Cleveland. How did that go, Brownie, and how did it start? Did it you was, tell him? Uh, it, my, it was... A,
1: what a day that was. I actually played the night before... Um, was half dressed for practice in Kansas City and Stan Smeal comes in. And he's like, Brownie, uh, go home, grab a suit. Trainers will meet you at the airport with your bag. You're playing in St. Louis tonight. So I gotta run half an hour the opposite way, 45 minutes back the other way to the airport, because we were at our practice rank. Got on a plane, basically got there at the end of pre-game meal. Um, said hi to all the guys, tried to mix in a nap, but you know what you're doing. You're sitting, well, it's not even texting back then. You're calling everybody. Hey, I'm, I'm playing tonight. I'm playing tonight. I'm playing tonight. Tell family and friends, blah, blah, blah. Get to the game. Like, it was just, I didn't realize really what was going on till my first shift, and I lined up against Al mechanics. And I looked across the ice. like, oh, wow. I'm pretty sure it was Chris Ponger on the other side. Oh. And I'm like, Holy shit!
0: I'm in the NHL. <laughs> I remember having that same feeling, oh. going, "Okay, puck's gonna happen." Like this is what I see on TV. <laughs> go ahead.
1: Well, and the good thing is because the old rules, I didn't get a penalty for this on my first shift. I ended up coming back down the wall, picking up the puck, and then I real I'm going up the ice in my own end, and I'm like,
0: <laughs> "This isn't right." Uh, yeah.
1: And I go to flip it off the boards. I fired probably 35 rows deep in St. Louis's fans. And I'm like, well, that's the end of my first shift. So second shift, I'm lined <laughs> up against Reed, and Reed and I fought in junior and knew each other a bit from off seasons. And you know, I was never really one to just kind of go out and kind of embarrass a guy in the fight just because. Like I'll stand there and I'll be annoying and I'll you know I'll give you the shoulder. Yeah. But I don't want to make it too noticeable in case I get my ass kicked, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of talking to him, and uh, he doesn't seem like he's really into it. I kind of, you know, rub his shoulder off the bat. He's like, yeah, have a good game, blah, blah, blah. Go to, go to skate away, wham, bust my nose with an elbow. And you can see it on the video, and I'm like, fuck, okay, garage sale, and away we go, right? So it was a pretty good go the rest of it i ended up playing, and then i went back to kansas city i ended up oh, they, were yeah. okay. they were happy with you yeah okay they're all yeah they're all pretty happy i was only going up for one because Brashear had a had a sore back and i think they were going to washington or something and they had okay a so it, it was sense, a, yeah. Yeah, it was a return ticket
0: to okay with. i got you i got you once in a while those exist but it wasn't yeah. a negative return ticket it was like hey oh. we're gonna give you a game in the end yeah okay good good oh, good yeah good. no
1: i I looked at my plane ticket and I was like, well, I guess I'm we'll going back tomorrow morning."
0: it's a return ticket. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were being metaphorical. It really wasn't. Oh return. no, I, I had a
1: return ticket. <laughs> like I didn't even I, I basically like I didn't get on the same bus as the team. Went <laughs> to the I've never I heard went of that. Back to the hotel <laughs> I didn't get to hang out and have a beer with the guys. I'm sitting there having a beer by myself. Holy fuck, you got a return so, ticket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the writing was on the wall that call up. Oh. So um, yeah, and then I ended and then we had three and three, like you know in the minors. Back then, that was the IHL. So that's flight in, flight out, usually. I ended up having I think I had five fights and five games, five five nights. Like it was ridiculous. Last three were the broken nose, it was stupid.
0: I'm, Are you still,
1: going- up. I'm still pretty though.
0: Uh, you are. You're looking good to be You're You're looking great. Are you working oh, out or are you just a big dude?
1: Trying to work out a bit. I I can't, you know, he can't really go to the
0: gym. Oh, you look good. You, you wouldn't, you wouldn't look. It's funny because I met you, you were skin and bone, but you wouldn't look yourself like that anymore. You were, you know, you're, you're a six, four big fucking Westerner, man. Like in an ex fucking <laughs> tough guy, pro hockey player. You look exactly like I'd want you to look.
1: Yeah, I, I say I'm obese. Now Not quite big. obese, but I'm just big.
0: You're you're gonna be big. Um, if you were that if you were that size, man, if you were 170 pounds like you were back then when I met you, it would be unhealthy. So you go to thing is, thing is to elaborate on that year, Kansas City. Another good year. 78 games, 14 goals, 13 assists again, and you're being used as one of the primary fighters. 214 minutes. Who did you play with that year? And I mean, I look at that as a successful season. Um were vancouver happy with you after that year
1: uh yeah i mean it was tough right? because like i was last last cut as a 19 year old from florida mm. and then i got traded to van and it was a big blow of the hometown kid it was a beret now trader. stop
0: there I, I mentioned it in my preamble i was yeah. wrong i thought you got traded you were in the jovanovsky trade am i wrong yes
1: okay uh, who was no, traded no, for I, who? i was yeah the beret jovanovsky
0: Burray. uh one second yeah, No sweat. Brownie's got to do his thing. I'm going to hit pause. Okay, we're back. Brownie's literally in the middle of a work day, and whenever somebody comes to the door with an order, he's got a break, but here we go again. Where were you? Oh, yeah, the trade. Buray, Jovanovsky. Who else was in the trade?
1: Uh, Gagne, Barron, Kevin Weeks. It, it was pretty big.
0: Yeah. Jesus. That was
1: a weird. That was a weird day, too.
0: You got the I, phone it, call? I mean, you go you go Whoa. first round. You you figure you're going to be given a shot with the team that drafts you, right? That's what you assume. Yeah.
1: Like it, it was, it was awesome in Florida. Like I, I mean, I was last cut. Mark Harris made the team in front of me. He deserved yeah. it. He was a veteran guy coming from college. He was more ready. And again, I mean, back then, mm-hmm. I think I was. 195 pounds like I, I was you remember the monsters back then and we played yeah
0: games. yeah you you were starting to come into your own but you weren't there yet yeah. I don't mind saying that
1: so I went back to Kamloops for that season it was my second year there we were like number one in the nation I think we lost like nine games all year we had two winning streaks over 23 games it was stupid
0: I remember that Like
1: we were good so we had a TV game and you remember back then though you know if you got a TV game it was pretty cool yeah. Like remember our Brandon Week King won that, that that shit show.
0: That was my favorite game in junior. It was yeah. the TV game we, you you and I played on Red Deer against Brandon? We, won
1: we, we had quite we had quite a few beers after that one. That was a good night all around.
0: We did, we did. We shut her down so, later. Yeah.
1: So we're we're in Regina and like I'm kinda used to cameras being a bit on me. I was a first round pick. You you know. Yeah. But like, there everything's on me. Like, Podunk, Saskatchewan News is watching me skate around, and I'm like, okay, this is a little much. Like, you know, we had good, we had good team. Like, Robin, we're gears on it. Like, you know, like we're good. So, get into the dressing room in between warm up and the game, and the coach calls me in with the GM in the next room, and he starts it off. Mark Abshire. Great guy, still friends today. Saw him a couple months ago, and we laughed about it. And he start and he starts it by saying, "Look, Brownie, gotta gotta let you know that you've been traded." And I'm like, "You fucking kidding me? You're trading me? This is my last year in the league. We're number one in the nation, and I'm screaming at him. I fought everybody. I've done everything you can ask, and..." And then they're like, whoa, 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 and they're like, no, no, Florida traded you to Vancouver.
0: <laughs> You're, yeah.
1: And I'm like, I'm like, I'm livid. Like this is my shot. We're making a run. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm going pro next year. You know how it is as a 19 year old. Yeah. Go back and so they calm me down. I go back in the room with the guys in the room are like, yes. Yeah. Like, they're just like, what the hell just happened there? Because, like, I'm literally screaming. Like, I'm pissed. And then, so that's how that all ended up. And then I I had my head up my ass that whole game. Like, I was terrible. I didn't know what to think. I ended up grabbing Churchman and fighting him. So I did something positive that night.
0: Well, but, hey, wouldn't it, naturally, wouldn't that be the case? If I was, like, I wouldn't even have seen it coming if... The, the, the times that i've been traded in my life i knew it was going to come so no. and as a first round pick you almost feel what's the word like there's a bit of a security blanket like i never you know you figure you're going to get given a shot and then maybe trade it like trade wouldn't be surprising but not before you give me a shot right because you don't really know what you're going to get you took me in the first round that's interesting okay so I, i've
1: seen i've seen burkey a bunch. Uh, Brian Burke a bunch since then uh, at Canuck alumni events and, and we joke about it and laugh about it but he said like he, that trade most likely would not happen if I wasn't in it and then of course I said well you know he, he could have at least pressed for more ice time for me than
0: <laughs> well that's my next question so the next <clears throat> season you get up you play a significant amount of the year you play 15 games 72 minutes now and I know I remember Brownie talking with you back then when you used to have to use the phone and you weren't getting much ice time. Some games one shift. Some games you didn't get one shift. I remember you telling me this: fifteen games, though seventy-two penalty minutes. You must have done your fair share of fighting in those games. And I mean, how was it? Your first experience? You must have been fighting heavyweights, were you?
1: Yeah. No, it was it, it was good. And it, like our team that year had the second best record after Christmas, next to Detroit, who went on to win the cup. Like I remember, Jason Strudwick and I sat out nineteen games in a row together. Yeah. So back to the return tickets. They would because I was on entry level, so they would send me down to Winnipeg with a return ticket. So I'd go down Thursday, return ticket uh, Monday. So I'd get three games in, and then they'd bring me back, and then I'd play warm up and get scratched. Um, but still, I mean, just being up with the totally. club, skating every day, and practicing every day, like you, you become better regardless because you just have to. You're, just to keep up so
0: i think the same and i've often said it like sometimes i'll tell a story and people will go oh man like you must have been pissed like uh here's here's like i would do the same like i i I never seen a return ticket but i would get called up and they would tell me like you're going to come up for a few games we don't even know if you're going to play and on more than one game i I went out on the bench and i didn't get a shift but i wasn't mad because they, they let me like they were bringing me along that was part of it here, watch everybody. I don't even give a fuck what you do out in practice. Just watch everybody. And the next time you come back, you'll get a little bit better. And three years from now, there'll be somebody else coming in, whether it's Asham or what. And that was their point. So I never once, although it didn't all work out the way I wanted more injuries than anything, but I, I never felt slighted by the team. I always enjoyed my time up. And if you were to look at the time on ice, you probably wouldn't connect those dots. But for me, I felt a privilege, um, I remember right before, you know, the reason I came back, I was told at Christmas and I was traded shortly after I was going to Red Deer, but on my birthday was January 14th and Mariola Mew was playing his last game. He ended up coming back, but it was supposed to be his last game ever in Montreal. It was on his tour and I wasn't playing anyway. So Reggie just said, Hey, so I started skating in the new year. I was coming off a concussion and he let me stick around until I watched Mariola Mew play that game. And then I went back to Red Deer. So, and then I practiced with you guys for almost a month before I even played in a game. So I spent yeah. a lot of time there and I never, if you were look at the stats, you probably would think, I oh, want you fucking pissed off at Montreal, but I'm like, man, I was 19. It was great just to right. be there one day yeah. after camp.
1: Do, do I think I could have and should have played more? and Things could have been different. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely.
1: But, but again, there, there's worse players that played more than me, and there's a hell of a lot better players that played less than me. So, I mean, it is what it is.
0: It is. And at the time, you don't know. If, if you had told me then that was my last shot, it would have been different. But, you know, and we do have similar paths. And I'm assuming, I don't know, Brownie, but I remember when you were here, we were down to the Allen Lager. You came to St. John's, 21 games you played in 0304. And it was your third team in that year. And I remember it was starting to take its toll, but you had a few major injuries. And I'm wondering if that had something, because you retired only a couple of years later. When I saw you here playing for the Leafs, I did some color for the team. And you looked as good as you ever did. But I remember you saying you had a few injuries. I don't know if they nagged you or did that have, because a guy like you, I'm thinking, would have gone over to Europe and played in the English Elite League and been a 40-goal scorer in 200 minutes every year. So there must be a reason you didn't. Was it just you had a better opportunity or was it injuries?
1: Um, well, I came off, I had a pretty bad sprained back in Anaheim the year before.
0: Um, sprained what back sprained back. I never, yeah. how do you sprain your back?
1: That's what I was told. It was, it was yeah. bad. like, I think like I'm 20, what was I like 24 and I'm walking around Anaheim like hunched over and I was hooked up to those tens units. So you got the four things. Four pads on your back and it was for a month I had to wear this thing to try and stimulate my back to wake me up
0: holy shit I didn't know that yeah and then <laughs> well the, the worst
1: part was just try to sleep with one of those on and you roll over and you turn it on that, that'll wake you up in a hurry um, so um, but yeah I mean I, I went through some personal stuff kind of that year I really enjoyed my time in Newfoundland great guys um, But yeah, I mean, it was starting to wear on me, and then that that was a tough year. But then I got I got a second chance, and thanks to AJ Baines, you would have played against him.
0: I remember AJ. I was going to ask you actually. Actually, I'll ask you after. Keep going.
1: Um, he he got me a tryout in um, in Norfolk, Chicago's farm team at the time, and I basically went in there. Trent Yanni, another. Another great coach I had said, Brownie, I want you to go out there, send a message to the entire league that you're back and you're not to be fucked with. We need you on this team. So do not say no to anybody that steps up to you. And you didn't. And, yeah, I I tied Rene Bork in exhibition for scoring. Plus, I had at least a fight every game. And then I started the year, I think, with 13 fights in the first 10 games. And, you know, I got my contract from Chicago and eventually got a couple couple games, which was my goal to finish off is I wanted to play a couple more games in the NHL after my son was born. And then realistically, I just, I knew I wasn't going to play full-time because they kind of did that shift where it used to be veteran guys got the big contracts and called up first to the entry-level guys because they could go up and down without waivers.
0: Yeah, the CBA and, you know, changed that year. You're right. That that was the year of the
1: lockout. My yeah. three favorite seasons were that year, and that year was stupid. I had like 40 fights, but it was the most fun year I've ever seen, like on yeah. and off the ice. The year with you and Red Gear, and then the, the run we had in campus. Those are my three favorite years.
0: Um, Brownie, you. not many people can say this then. It's astonishing. The, you decided to give it up. And you'd played in the NHL, like most people like go another four years. They're like, you know, maybe I'll get another game. Maybe I'll get another like (laughs) your last team that you played with. Like right in the middle of your 20s was the Chicago Blackhawks, which is wild. You know, like and so I never really knew that when you made the transition. I mean, that's wild. And, you know, you're you're a modest guy. You're, You're you're always I mean, we say first round Brown, but you had to be somewhat. I don't want to use the word cocky, but you had to be confident in the role that you were in, um, but always a likable, great teammate. So did you get into the like right now you're running a Harley dealership? Did you get into the auto industry immediately? Like what what happened? Did you get to start coaching? Did you You know that's 15 years ago?
1: Well, I mean, I was on the road essentially with hockey. You know what it's like for 12 years. So yeah. age 15 to 27, I, I was gone. Hockey took my life. The offseason, yeah, sure, you have some fun, but it's a work. Getting yourself ready to go through the grind again. And I knew I was going to have to, you know, start making money again and start a new career. And I figured, you know what, probably better to do it by 30 than by 40. Plus the roles that we played, I was pretty fortunate. I have most of my marbles left, Um, (laughs) most of them but um you know and every dog has his day you fight long enough it doesn't matter how good you are there's going to be a bad loss and fortunately I went pretty much most my career other than when I was 16 of really getting my clock clean. so I decided yeah I'll stay home and then I kind of was like oh okay shit well I knew I wanted to retire now now what do I want to do And, and a buddy of mine talked me into going into the car business and sales and and you know sales is a different animal it's because if you're driven like we are and you see a lot of former athletes they either go into you know policing firefighting real estate car business and it just the sales business because i, I didn't have a cap on my pay i could push myself to make more and more money and you know it, it, it was reflective of how hard you work and what you put into it that will yeah. show up on your paycheck so kind of ended up yes yeah, and essentially with general motor dealerships for oh, thirteen, fourteen know, 13 14 years and then the own the same owners here own this car store i was a sales manager at they came and offered me the position here as general manager and i'm like should. it's almost pretty much a dream job because i've ridden harley for quite a while now and i get to wear jeans to work and i don't shave every day clearly so
0: you were um you were in the harleys when we played together you were that guy Wait, what you who you are now is exactly who i thought you'd be listen do you ever see our buddy Stephen pete i read about him i know he went through a hard time and i talked to him through facebook about five years ago the whole thing you know he tried to burn down the house and all that i mean i'm not talking out of school this was all very very public and um in the news. So he um, had some mental health issues. Great day to talk about it. Do you ever see him? I know you guys were buddies.
1: Yeah, no, we, we were always buddies, especially when, you know, more so when we were younger. Um, it's a, it's a small world over here, not just hockey, but Langley, like this is where he's from. Like this is where he grew up when I first, where I first used to pick him up back in our teens is five minutes down the road. Um, yeah, he's, he's had some tough times. I, I hear every once in a while, I try to reach out as much as I can. Um, but unfortunately, I, I haven't seen him. I've tried and, and I hear through the grapevine bits and some pieces, but.
0: Good you know, luck to him. Uh, good luck to him wherever uh, he is. I know that he, when this, the last time I spoke to him, I, I started another podcast. And he sent me a message. Uh, so I, I don't know if he's listening. I know some of his buddies are somewhere. I mean, we're all connected. It's small world, the hockey world. Petey, when I say that, people we're talking about uh, listeners, Stephen Pete, Pete. He was a buddy of ours, real tough guy, good guy, but uh, had some mental health issues. It was a great day to bring it up. We all do. It's to some degree. He had some bad luck as well, but um, I hope he's doing all right. I know he's out your way. Brownie, tell me, I just got a couple more questions and then we're going to go into a bit of a lightning round. Um, but. You find yourself in Anaheim playing with some legends. Paul Correa in the peak. I loved watching Paul Correa, by the way, one of the favorite players. And I never got a chance to even meet him. I played against him once. But um, you go to Anaheim. And I look, he's, he's your leading scorer. Awesome time. Sometime during the year. Okay. Sometime. And you played a big chunk of this season, too. But I don't know when. You're going to have to tell me. How was your first NHL goal? And where? When? And oh, how did it? What happened?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's weird. Everything kind of has a story in my life. Like, there's not just, yeah, I was there and yeah. got up in the morning, had a nap, went to the game. No, like, like that that was quite the year. Um, like, for starters, I got sent down. Like, I got picked up by waivers. Mike Fabcock met, met me here because I, I had visa issues for a couple weeks. back then um so i met the team when they came to vancouver and babcock basically said look i got my guy it's kevin sawyer i don't want you i don't need you but i'm stuck with you for 30 days due to the waiver rules i'm like okay cool
0: so (laughs) like good to be here like what a great thanks a lot (laughs) i bet you left the office oozing with confidence after that one Yeah. Why do people do that? I always said, why do people even get on like that? Go ahead. Go ahead. And honestly,
1: I don't know what his problem was. I never met the man before. I played against him in junior. We're all cocky shitheads in junior. So what if I beat up half your team? Whatever, right? It's just just not good to start. Whatever. You know, I'm just gonna, you know. But anyhow, so I'm like, okay, cool. I think I'd um, so play six games. He's riding my ass. Day 30 comes, you know, the waiver rules. Down to Cincinnati, I go. Um, that play, I, yeah, I played one game down there. And then, unfortunately, Kevin Sawyer, not a knock on him. Great guy. Tough guy, warrior. He got knocked out the first game after I was sent down by Brad Norton. Um, and he never played again. So, get called next day got to play that night and i get called into babcock's office and he's like well you're back he's like you're like a cat great line here though i can't stand the prick but this is a great line he goes you're like a cat with nine lines i can't get rid of ready i'm just like okay he's like but you're the only guy in the organization that can do what you do so i'm stuck with you i'm like all right cool so Go out.
0: Thanks, coach.
1: Yeah, I'm fucking Jack now. Let me go fight Nazarov, which I did that game. Like
0: <laughs> Nazarov, there's an underrated fucking guy of the era. For people oh, forget I'm who he sorry. was. Whoa. He
1: was yeah. So go out. Yeah, I score. And like, the video's on. If you kind of watch, it's like I'm kind of like, yeah, I scored. And then I'm like, yeah, I scored. <laughs> it was a hell of a pass by played by Krog and. But disco Dan Biles, my, you know, pretty much gave me an empty net. If I didn't score that, I might as well just throw my stick. and <laughs> okay. started walk, walking back to bank fever. <laughs> and, and then, so a couple shifts later, they throw out Nazaroff and Portachuk and everybody, and a puck gets slammed, rifled, slap shot around the boards. And my glove, you know, your hands hanging on the, on the boards fucking take the slap shot off my hand on the bench and of course I'm like this, this, and trainer's coming over and he's doing the ice spray and so they, they put out you know, they're I think it was like I even think Mayday was there, Brad May so like they got like Brad May Nazaroff, truck we're up a couple to nothing, so you know what's gotta happen, so Babcock gives me a tap, he's like, Brownie, how's your hand, you ready to go I'm like okay, sure <laughs> Head out there, yeah, and then I fought Nazarov. So I was like two thirds to a Gordy Howell in the first period, and then I pretty much got shut down for the rest. How of the was life. the
0: Nazarov fight with a hurt hand? He was—I'd say I used to train with him in the summer. Yeah. He was with uh, San Jose for a bit, yeah. Um, or at least uh, he was he, at, at camp with them. And I just remember he was a big, yeah. scary guy. How'd it go?
1: Well, he was what six five? Yeah, two sixty mm-hmm. Russian gas. I'm sure. Like he was, he was strong, but. He always liked to throw one big left, which I saw coming. And then I would get inside. I loved fighting inside.
0: You were good at it. My, arm,
1: my arms are skinny. I can slide them in and out everywhere. Yeah. And I think I gave him a bit of a bloody nose. It was kind of a technical grappling. But, yeah, I mean, if he wanted to, really, he could just probably pick most guys up and slam them down. If he, he wanted yeah. to fight yeah. me over.
0: I, um, he was. I remember meeting him and seeing his mannerisms and everything. Um, And I remember saying to myself, he could be the stereotypical, like, movie villain, you know? Like, you know, once in a while, they're bringing a Russian, just badass motherfucker in some of these movies. He's what that, like, meeting him, it didn't, like, hockey player didn't jump into my mind. It was like, he's going to, yeah. He's well, he, he's, he's, like he's, a, gonna, he's a criminal.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's like this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Like, exactly. His heart rate didn't move. Brownie. Yeah.
0: Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh keep going if you'd like. Oh, it,
1: that's that's all the like, guy was like ice. Like, he, like, and I'd line up against him, and I wouldn't know. Like, you know what it's like. You're five, 10, 15 seconds lined up next to a guy, and you're kind of like, what's up? And he's kind of like, and I'm like, are, are we going? What are we doing? And he's like.
0: He's just a scary fuck. Yeah. Until he it. was
1: like, we're going. And I'm like, okay. Well, then um, we're
0: going. Did you ever drop him with Probert?
1: No, I was scratched that game.
0: Okay. I would have um, done
1: anything. Like, like I, I was, just
0: got a few more questions left. Um, we're going to do some rapid fires, just some easy layups like nothing to do with hockey. But before we get there, empty netters. Uh, yes, empty netters. Before we get there, is there any major like I'm passing over a lot? Like, do you have any memorable fights that you want to talk about or moments in your career that I might have forgotten about? I mean, I know it's a big brush to have to paint over stuff, but, um, you know, um, you know, in, 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 like do it again. Then Some of your toughest, let's say three crazy fights or, or not crazy, just memorable. What, what, you know, did, did you ever get knocked out? Did you ever knock anybody else out? Um, you ever get your skate, um, your, your hands skated over like anything crazy from like, cause I don't know. I want to get to the rapid fire randoms. We only have you for another little bit, but you did so much like, I don't want to, I, I hate the word goon. Cause you were not that you were not a goon. You were a tough guy. You were a power forward. But again, some of the guys that you fought, Brownie, were next level. They were legendary, tough. Um, uh,
1: I got one. I was Marty McSorley's last uh, pro fight.
0: Marty McSorley is—he's one of those legends that yep. would be one of the toughest. It was players a really ever. good fight. Where? Was, where was it?
1: Kansas City, when he was trying to make his comeback after slashing brash in my face.
0: Really? Okay, so he came to you, did he?
1: uh I, I did my little thing he came down the wall and I rubbed him out and I kept rubbing him out until he, he I don't know what it was with guys backhanding me but thankfully he didn't bust me up before the fight but he gave me the big backhand and I was like okay well I didn't start it now we can go and it was a good go
0: Wow, Marty McSorley's fight on the way back up uh, in the International League. I did not know that, Browning. That's exactly what I was looking for. That's a unique story, an intriguing story. Now, are you ready for rapid-fire randoms? Let's do this. Here we go. Rapid-fire randoms. Okay. Your death row meal. You've just... uh, One of those guns. I I know you've got a lot of guns. Let's say you fucking go out, you lose your mind one day, you talk about mental health issues, you go fuck this, you catch your girlfriend nailing some guy, and you take out the 12 gauge and you blow his head off. But now you got to go to jail, and you're going to get the death penalty because we're doing this in Texas. Now what do you have as your death row meal? You're dying tomorrow, deservedly. And what happens? What do you eat?
1: Um, I am probably going to say a moose steak that I shot earlier
0: this year. Great fucking answer. By the way, you should come over to Newfoundland. You know, we got a lot of moose. We actually have a I've problem. Seen, with- yeah, I've you should seen. come over. You're into that. My buddy, I don't oh, know yeah. if you ever came across Scott Thornton. Um, beauty. Yeah, beauty. Played with him in Montreal and he's... Lost him twice. Did you? Oh, <laughs> tough, you know what? Man. I can tough see man. that. Both guys and you're both the same kind of players, like big left shots, tough guys. You fu- Both you and him are exactly... When I say that, like... Yeah, you are tough. You you fought all the tough guys. Right. But, you know, you brought a little bit more. Um, Interesting. Anyway, he's he's he was supposed to come over last year and all this happened. But uh, as soon as possible, he's going to come over. The invitation is extended to you. Speaking of. uh,
1: We will talk. Speaking of.
0: Yeah, I know. Hey, Well, a lot of it going on over here. Um, If you had one superpower, what would it be?
1: I don't, I don't even know, like, what are all the superpowers now?
0: Like, well, I, mean, I guess anything. You could be, you could, it could be flying. It could be invisibility. It could be elastic, like Elastic
1: Man. Cool.
0: I think it would be. But I, I think invisibility, but Amazon. you'd end up being, you would use it in some creepy way at some point. I don't want to get, specific. I would do my best. Not <laughs> yeah. be okay. Well, it could get you a lot of money. I, you know, I, well, I could rob not, from rich creepy. people I, that were assholes and justify yeah. it
1: that's more that's more criminal I, i'd use it in a criminal money
0: way <laughs> speaking of criminals pick one movie villain that you would uh you'd enjoy and you could room with say you're going on an all-inclusive to cuba or anywhere bermuda i don't, I don't know fucking anywhere you're a nice unstressful sunny trip but you got to spend it with a movie villain i'd pick probably lex Luthor from superman like the original ones like who would you Cause I could run with him. I think he's funny. I don't think he'd try to hurt me. He just wants world dominance, but he's not like going to just murder anybody. He sees <laughs> Darth Vader might just murder you just for being there. Yeah.
1: Um, well, you, as soon as he said movie villain, I don't know why, but, uh, Denzel and American gangster. Popped ah, up right
0: what a great, you know what? Say no more. I kind of went into the superhero realm, but Denzel yeah, you're
1: all over the superheroes.
0: I am. I often go there. Don't I? in my head. <laughs> um,
1: well, oh, no, that was a Tasmanian devil
0: you had on your uh, tailgate. But... Oh, yeah, my, my truck in Red Deer. I was trying to explain that to Schmidty. I said, man, well, I mean, he remembered it, but we were trying to remember all the oh, upgrades, if you want to call them those. I had it jacked up. I had go hard or go home on the, on the <laughs> tailgate in huge with a huge Tasmanian devil. I mean, how did I do that and drive around and think that people didn't think I was some kind of a pompous <laughs> asshole? What? <laughs> But yeah. I didn't, it didn't even cross my mind. I just figured it's a bit yeah, of fun. We, saved you as we were in Alberta, so. <laughs> all right. We were, we were, we were. There's uh, the the rural areas of uh, Alberta are uh, similar to what Bayman are here. You'd see people would call me a Bayman when I did that, but you know I didn't give a fuck. I liked it. Breakaway for five million. You score, you get five million dollars. You don't. You just get one chance though. Which goalie would you pick? And you had to play with or against this goalie.
1: I think who I'm friends with that I can... That's a goalie that I can call out. Mike Whitney, there you go.
0: <laughs> Great, that's what Schmidty said. He, he's,
1: he's, like a he's like a dentist now. He's not stopping a puck.
0: Yeah, he, I think he is, yeah. There's
1: a shout-out for Witter right
0: there. Loved Witter, Beck. We just didn't give a fuck. Like, And he was still good. Like He was one of those guys... Like, he reminds me of Phil Kessel. Like, Say what yeah. you want. Phil Kessel has 940 in a, games in a row. And shout-out to Keith Yandel for breaking the record last night. Yeah. But he's only 25 behind... And, you know, Whitney reminded me that like, if you made if you made him work out too much, it would throw him right off. You'd light him up. He needed the, he needed hot dog space. He needed curfew yep. later than everybody else. He just needed that life.
1: <laughs> he needed that, that five, 10 pound cushion. So he didn't hurt himself. Being, yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, too in shape. And, and a great fella too. Like loved awesome. playing with him. And everybody knew that no one gave him a hard time no. other than ribbing him a bit. Like, I mean, the coaches didn't get on. Wow. Um, we were allowed to do
1: that back then. There, there wasn't sensitivities.
0: Exactly. There was none of that. Um, would you get. Ever see like a baseball player when they put eye black under their eyes or football players because the sun is, you know, to, to lessen the glare of the sun? Ever, You know that what I'm talking about? Yeah. The eye black. So would you get eye black tattoos that can never come off for the power of flight? You can fly. no.
1: I, I, I mean, I'm I'm pretty tattooed as it is. If I wanted to get face tattoos, I'd probably just go do it. But that's
0: well, the power of flight I'm. is big. But yeah, I know I can hear. I, I can, can get a guess. plane ticket. Um, there you go. <laughs> your second favorite album ever, which probably indirectly is going to be you're going to have to say, well, this is my favorite. So, so what are your top two? I guess there's so much. Um, but in this le- in this world, you got to pick two. We're about to get on an aircraft. The world is going to blow up. We're about to get an aircraft, and we're going to a habitable place. But a habitable place. But it's going to take thirty days. It's on the other side of Jupiter. We we found a planet invisible in our solar system. We're all going there. But you got to grab only two. We only got room for two albums. Uh, what are they going to that be a
1: kid rock album with Bawa Bada Yeah, yeah. First one. That was yeah. That was What's kind the of the soundtrack of my first year pro. Yeah. Um, fuck. And then number one would probably there's got there's a so many good country ones out there i'm i'm 97 country music these days um who would it be uh you know what i'm gonna give a shout out to my boy chad brownlee i i like him he's got a good mix of music
0: okay so, fair I, enough I,
1: i'm here i'm here to give shout outs to my boys so
0: and by the way that album devil without a cause
1: yeah that's what it was yeah that was another great song on that album
0: and you know what we a
1: great album for driving to the rink whether you were driving five minutes or 35 minutes
0: yeah i know a lot of people don't like kid rock's one of those guys that you kind of forget but when he came on the scene man memory like three songs off that album went like shot up in the top five and ball what's a ball was like nothing i'd ever heard before it was wild yeah. it was uh but you, know what other we, other you know other what
1: we—you know what we—no sea running around too. I know we would spit fire as well.
0: We uh remember how much we listened to Marilyn Manson and Red Deer, and when that was right before that, yeah. I remember a big, a few big like rock productions, almost heavy metal, rockish. It all started to kind of change, you know. Like I remember yeah. in the eighties, it was like okay, there's Metallica, there's Skid Row, but like it's like with Marilyn Manson and Kid Rock, it, it started to. Yeah. G- 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 gel a bunch of different genres together very exciting time
1: okay, he, you know what we
0: we were great in red deer for playing tunes we would go there like two I, hours and early
1: and what i i always have my phone on shuffle sometimes it gets fast forward sometimes it's a repeat but doug and the slugs will be synonymous with that year <laughs> yeah till the end of time that Day album K, tom tom cat prowl yeah like, and here's a story, too, about them. They used to play my dad's Beer League annual tournament, the Dinner and Dance on Saturday night in Summerland. The Rainier wow. Reds Beer League tournament, Doug and the Slugs was the Saturday night band. And it was kind of the kickoff for the summer because it was always Easter weekend tournament. And so, yeah, Doug and the Slugs has been around and you brought it back in Red Beer.
0: Yeah, we, we played that out for sure. Shout out to Dave Radar Horning, too. He loved those, yeah. uh, those albums. He used to get there. I, mem- I remember like, you know, you love the boys when you get to practice two and three hours early to listen to tunes together. We would do that often. We would just go, let's go listen to tunes. <laughs> like and just, and just randomly, every- just go listen to yeah. tunes.
1: And then everybody in the medical room for days of our lives.
0: Yeah. I mean, right. You know, you get a tight knit group when you're all hanging around people getting uh, treatment, um, you know, <laughs> on their bodies, watching fucking days of our lives, knowing all the storylines. Yeah. Um, how many times have you eaten escargot?
1: Lots. grew, grew up with it. it. Was on. It's one of my favorite uh, appetizers.
0: Nice. Uh, I would well, never have eaten it if it wasn't for the keg, and then it got kind of normal. Oh, the, the, the I ke- like ke- it ke- too. When I first ke- heard about the, the, it, eating snails, I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?"
1: No, the keg appies are. It's hard pressed to, you know, take them down. They're they're I know. I know. know.
0: I know, buddy. I know. That's why we went there so much. If you could say one thing to our buddy, BJ Young, um, RIP BJ, what would it be?
1: I miss you, bud. Um, yeah, he he was one of the veteran guys that took me under his wing in red deer. Um, we both kind of, we were dating, you know, friends. And and so it was kind of the four of us hanging out. A lot of good times. Miss him.
0: A lot of good times. Um, And I still say it, and I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but I say every few episodes, if you're listening in Red Deer, he's got the most goals in one season ever. He's passed away now for more than a decade, and his son still goes to games. You've got to retire that jersey. I know it was a different ownership group, but it has to be retired. Let's give the best player that played there at least the best scorer. And that's not – I know a lot of great players have come through, but there's one that has the most goals in a season ever, and his jersey should be in the rafters. you're in a TV show as a character. who would it be? Which te- not, not, not you don't pick a character. You're, you're Mike Brown, your persona you can insert yourself into a cast of any show out there right now, whether it be succession, righteous gemstones, you know on down the list, any show that's actually being shot right now, which one would you insert yourself into? Um,
1: I have two. I have reality and comedy uh reality would be mountain men yeah so that's basically just following me around living in the bush doing what i do and comedy would be letter penny.
0: oh beauty I, uh, you I, know it's I, funny that's one of my I don't, I don't
1: know if i can keep up yes you can. It would be, i'd have to be like you know one of the guys that kind of stands <laughs> like this in the back
0: oh well wait till you see shorzy it's you no, know I, as i've talked about it enough on here but you will see, and there's guys that you played against and with. Obviously, I'm in it, but um, it's it's going to be interesting. But that I think that world, once you see it, is one that you could easily fit well, into. Yeah. Um. You you have an album coming out, and you got to pick one of these one. You got to pick one of these names to be the name of the album. Okay. So it's going to be Mike Brown's debut album. Mike Brown presents Cheetah grizzly canine or t-rex grizzly grizzly thought so for more reasons than one but that beard you're sporting is very grizzly-esque time machine you got a time machine and you get to go on a round trip now it doesn't have to be in the past could be in the future but you get one round trip ticket you know all about round trip tickets well, you had one gold into the NHL one time in your life. Now you got one round trip at to, at to any time in history. You get to go there, spend one day, and come back as if nothing happened. Old West. Beautiful answer. Wouldn't that be interesting?
1: Yeah. I, I you know, I'd make sure I bought some property and did some other investments. In go that.
0: back, set your family up for life and then
1: exactly. do it, what uh, what's his name? It, it, Biff it, does. Dutton ranch, eighteen eighty. <laughs> Leave a sports book.
0: Yeah, get a bunch of comedy in the 1880s. Um, yeah. So an alien comes to Earth, but they speak English and they get all our sensibilities. And you get one comedian that has to make them laugh. What comedian would you pick?
1: Dave Chappelle.
0: Nice. It's good. His, I loved his recent... Uh, although Dave it got Chappelle
1: a lot of- or, or, or Joe Rogan. Somebody that's kind of just you know not says, afraid to
0: say what they want yeah,
1: Say what they want. by the way
0: talk. i love you for that reason because we're in a very like i'm kind of central but we're in a really political world where people are really divisive you let your opinions be known but you're not in, you're not ignorant and you can have a conversation like i say a lot of people go like far one way and far the other but there's a middle ground that like people come from different places they have different sensibilities they have different cultures you grew up with and a lot of people can't talk but i love that about you you're very set in your ways but they're not outlandish you can back them up and you are very respectful so
1: i i always tell people like they're like oh what are you trying to do this and that i'm like i'm just trying to open your eyes i am not trying to start a call i just want people to open their eyes and use their fucking brains i'm yourself if you if you go and do your research and you get to the bottom of it and you have a differing opinion than me that's fine that's what North America is supposed to be about.
0: I uh, totally agree. Like you
1: said, everybody's so emotional these days. You you can't have a conversation and and more conversations need to be had.
0: Uh, Sure, words couldn't be said by a better guy. Uh, Okay. You get to be a DJ now. so. Someone comes to you and says, look, man, I didn't think this was going to happen, but I got $10 million to start you out. Like, we're going to really set you in the right direction. So quit your job because this is going to be worth it. You're going to be a DJ and you're going to be a popular one, but you've got to pick one of these names. Which one do you pick? DJ Fuck. P-H-U-C-C. DJ Fuck. The Ram. Okay. second. Rambling Rebel. Okay. third. Chandelier. Just Chandelier. And fourth. Poppy Pip. DJ
1: Rambling Rebel.
0: The Rambling Rebel. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for a lot of reasons. You are a bit of a Rambling Rebel. I mean, you played for the Rebels. Look at that beard. Uh, Every time you cross a street for the rest of your life, a song is going to play. What song would it be? Uh, Midnight
1: Train to Memphis, Chris Stapleton.
0: Nice nice brownie um you got to spend a week with one of these people okay so you're flying basically to a decent you let's say you're in paris you get to tour paris you get to whatever you want to do no agenda just beers dinners just you and this particular person to have a good time brian johnson from acdc marilyn manson heather graham or alanis morissette Not, not, no sex can happen. Obviously, you're gonna pick Heather Graham probably, but I'm not talking in a. I'm talking this in this world. Just it's just like, dinner. It's to, to get to know the person on an interesting level. Sorry, I'd
1: probably say Heather Graham. Anyhow, I've seen interviews on her. She seems fun. She seems like she'd be a good time with or without sex. So,
0: and you know, yeah. I haven't the other ones. I don't know what happened to her, but she must exist still. But I remember when Austin Powers came out back to back with Elizabeth Hurley, and then she, I was starting to go to those. I mean. I was like, fuck, can they make these girls any hotter? Can I even say that now?
1: Um, yeah, she's just... I, I watched her do interviews, she gets, and maybe that's why she's not on anything, because she just seemed like a normal...
0: Human. <laughs> true, true. Um, did you ever try to solve a Rubik's Cube? Yeah. Did you succeed? No. Uh, me, me as well. Um, I didn't succeed. Do you do your own laundry? Absolutely would you cut off a toe and wear it on your neck for the power to be invisible whenever you want it to be? I just I wrote know. that question yeah, You, you got to take one of your correct. toes so it could be a middle one, but it got to be one of them yeah, yeah. If I and get to
1: pick, yeah
0: throw it onto your neck
1: On my neck?
0: Yeah I so it's like on your neck people see neck? but and can I
1: put it at the back so like
0: you can put it anywhere but it got to be on your neck if and I you can't
1: click the toe and where I put it on my neck sure.
0: okay. Good answer. How many fish burgers have have you eaten?
1: Does it have to be on there? Like permanently? Because I got permanently. Permanently? Yeah, okay, sure. Let's go.
0: Permanently. I guess, but then you're gonna be invisible. Um, it's almost like yeah. Um, how many fish burgers have you ever eaten? Lots. Okay, a lot of people haven't eaten any, so you've eaten lots, then you lost count. Your favorite word that rhymes with dump? With sorry. A favorite your favorite word that rhymes with dump oh name a dead athlete that you'd like to bring back one um, that's tough I don't, I don't even know who I'd answer to that
1: you know what Um. It, one that was probably that we lost too young, like like there's a bunch that come to mind. Obviously, like Wade Belak, Ripon, uh, Hayes. Like
0: you're right. Uh, I didn't think of it from that angle. Yeah. I mean, someone that we knew, like BJ or Wade Belak. So, so it's, yeah. the purposes of this question, because that is deep, and I would go there too. Let's say someone that we don't have. Enough, let, let's say for the purposes of Either just going out and talking to them for an hour and gathering information, or watching well, I, them play one more in, game.
1: In this climate nowadays, Muhammad Ali, I'd like to know, you know, what he would say and how he would go about, you know.
0: That's what, great. Um, I think, not that you asked, uh, you know. <laughs> I don't know I could go so many places with that. I, I might even bring back someone from like the 1910s or 20s just to, whether it's Babe Ruth you kind of like, let's say hockey Cyclone Taylor. Like he's supposed yeah. to be that name is out there and I'm so intrigued and if you look back he was like by far the best in like 1915 but like there was a rover. You couldn't you couldn't pass the puck forwards. Yeah. So you know it was, it was a different game. You might as well call it something different because it's not hockey yeah. but For someone to to dominate like that, I'd like to talk their ear off, you know, about it. Um, One song, same thing. Aliens come to Earth. Okay, they got the same rhythms and everything we do, but we have to make them dance on the first try or else we're all going to die. What song would you give them? What song would you say? Okay, they got to dance to this one. I'm just
1: going to quickly check a playlist here. Just because there's so many songs I listen to.
0: Okay, You're fine. I'll answer it as you search to avoid for downtime.
1: Um, it'd have to be oh. something like, you know what? Humpty Dance, Digital Underground. That that one still gets the yeah. people up and moving.
0: It would be hard not to get up. It would be hard not to at least have your knee going. And what's the definition of dancing, right? I yeah. think they'd start grooving. I think they'd start yeah. grooving. Um Fuck what would i say oh god there's there's a thousand i'm gonna go with a rock and roll song with a beat let's say the apartment song by tom petty really standard but yeah. i just think the drum i think you'd I I, I I could go a thousand you know what and and we're work if i had to if there was a gun to my head we're culturally probably attuned to saying it's cheesy but if there was a gun to my head it would be like one of those 90s dance things like get ready for this like I know it's overplayed, but there's a reason it's still played at the start of every hockey game. Because like kids that are three and four that never heard it before, they get you know like get ready for this. It's it's standard, it's cheesy, but if you're I'm just if if I had to make people dance, yeah, it would be something like that. Um, Okay, hypothetical: plane goes down. We're in the Himalayas. Plane goes down. A few of our teammates are dead, and we got to survive. Which Red Deer Rebel that we played with would you eat? And why?
1: I I'm kind of a lean meat guy, so, and you know so what? I mean, what's that? Who, like I, I'm, what I'm a filet guy, not like a ribeye guy. So no, have to be one of those guys. That's and pretty- you know, maybe
0: the plane goes down and we have like we don't we have a week that we have to survive. So maybe like Shazi would be good because he's a big, tall guy that was fairly lean. Devin Frank on it would probably taste good. Frankie, yeah. I bet you Frankie um, would taste good because he ate well. You know, yeah. if Schmidt said Mike Whitney, because. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I, I wouldn't pitch Schmidt. He's pretty hairy. He was pretty hairy back then as a 20 year old. I'd do too much work. I'd burn too many calories.
0: <laughs> okay. I'm going to go. For <laughs> lack of a better person, I'm going to eat Shazzy on this week. Last week, I agreed with yeah. Schmidt, but I'm going to eat Shazzy because he's tall and lean and I'd have a good bit of meat and uh um, he was one of,
1: yeah he was probably the biggest guy on the team back then
0: i think was, i think um, other, other than uh, you who else was like we had a lot of big guys like lance yeah. ward and but if you took a big lean motherfucker i think those hands oh. are big yeah. yeah um okay you have the power to make snow that falls from the sky a different color what color would you make the snow
1: It'd have to be something bright. It can't be yellow because you know um, yeah. that yeah. just wouldn't work. Would work. Um, like, a lot of
0: people, yeah.
1: let's say like a bright, a, a bright blue.
0: Okay, blue green.
1: Yeah, some, something bright that yeah. you know doesn't look like beef.
0: There's no wrong answer, but blue is as good as any. What's the perfect pizza? Oh, uh,
1: perfect pizza.
0: Let me guess, meat lovers.
1: Uh, there, there would be meat on there, like a, a capicola, feta, mushroom type. I love. It's more yeah. cheese than meat on my pizza.
0: You know why I don't ask everybody that question? But I remember, um, for whatever reason, eating a lot of pizza with you. Whether it was after games, uh, remember, remember, Shemite, remember that time we stayed in those fucking cabins in Jaw? We got like Let's a bunch of pizzas, in, and, and they, I bought about twenty-four dozen beer.
1: Go get us beer, yeah. That, yeah, that's, no, hey, we made we made the best of everything.
0: Right? Yeah, the bus driver went and got us beers, and then we invited him in to get shitfaced with us.
1: <laughs> yeah, and Coach, then he drive, yeah. We didn't think too far ahead back then. We didn't, and I love,
0: I love that the coaches gave us a little bit of leeway because we were winning, and, and they were like, if we started fucking up, or, or losing, or not showing up at the rink, but we did. like say to people, we were we were always at, well, hence might have been to listen to music. But we'd end up working out and doing something. We all went to the rink early. It was never a problem. Um, okay. On Sundays for the rest of your life, you try to speak, but an animal sound comes out. What sound would that be? So you got to pick an animal sound every Sunday the rest of your life. I say Sunday because it's an often not a day that you have to work. It would yeah. be heard on Wednesday as a guy who owns a business. A bear. Growl. A
1: bear and growl. Okay. Kind of, kind of, usually how my Sunday goes, depending on what I did Saturday night.
0: Um, Fair enough. Your favorite jersey of all time, and it's—I'm not talking hockey. Any other jersey in any other sport?
1: I got to go with the Blackhawks. That—that's just an iconic jersey. Knock on wood. Hopefully, it never gets changed.
0: Well, I'm talking other than hockey, your favorite jersey, but but as far as hockey that once in a while, I I answer that question and I I find it hard to beat the red Chicago Blackhawks jersey. I really do. I hope that name doesn't get taken out. I understand sometimes, but again, I think we're going like everybody's fine with Blackhawks at this point. I really hope it stays because I fucking love the jersey. I love the team name. I love everything about it. You got to wear the fucking thing, but question is another sport. What is it?
1: Red Sox. Boston Red
0: Sox. Last question. Um, you're playing. You got to play, say, we, gotta, we, we go to a tournament. And in this hypothetical world, it's years from now. And we can get in a kind of computer animation and bring anybody back. You can do whatever you want. You can use someone alive, dead. But we're all going to be in our primes. You got to play a hockey tournament over a 10 day period with yeah. four other line mates. That's it. It's just a goalie. You and four line mates. Who do you pick from the history of hockey? It can be anybody. They can be living. They can be dead. You're playing left wing. Who's the centerman, the right winger and both D and the goalie.
1: I, 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 I I'm going to go with the all fun, but we're going to make the game interesting. So I'm going to go with you, A.J.
0: Baines. I love that I'm in there.
1: <laughs> Jim Vandermeer. Aaron
0: Asham. What a
1: laugh we're going to have. And, and Dustin Bufflin. <laughs> I'm, I'm going with all buddies that are tough, like to shake shit up. We're, we're going to have fun, win or lose.
0: I fucking love your answer, Uh, Mike. First round, Brown. It's been great catching up with you. Thanks a lot. We went a little bit longer than I said, as I always do, but um, I think it's been worth it. And I hope to see you soon. The the invitation is extended, by the way. You're a moose hunter. This is this is paradise, my man.
1: Oh yeah. And uh, you you guys got it all over there fishing. Yeah, yeah.
0: Come on over. Salmon fishing well, fishing, but I know you like salmon fishing and it's a big thing over here. A lot of people go, there's a lot of rules involved with it that are unique. The salmon you're actually catching are unique. The rivers are, but uh, I mean, people from all over. So I extend that. I got to take off now, but um, come on over, Brownie, sometime. It's great catching up to you. Have you and Schmidt on back-to-back weeks, honestly, is almost a dream come true. I don't catch up enough. So thanks a lot. Hope to see you again soon.
1: You bet. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, my man
0: and there you have it first round mike brown nice to talk to brownie again um no major surprises there but uh, really great to catch up with him and I, I hope you guys enjoyed his stories um and i do i hope he gets to come over here moose hunting you know you don't see guys um and i often talk about politics i i honestly hate talking about it nowadays but um he's clearly on the right side of the tracks but uh just one of those guys that's pretty vocal, but you can talk with him. Uh, not not a hater, and everybody's not wrong. Um, and you can tell that talking to him. He's you know he, I, I don't even let me think. Sure, Dave Chappelle, Muhammad Ali, Brownie's dealt with minorities with um, a, a different. Oh, God, management types. He's in business now. He's got to do, a. you know, he's a people person. Came up playing hockey, faced adversity himself. You know, the whole, um, you know, uh, God, what am I? Just, I can't say that I was going to try to bring in more kind of far-reaching topics, but I don't even know. Like, we didn't talk about it back then. You know, we were just kids learning the ways of the world. There weren't gay p- players in hockey yet. We didn't have any black players on our team, in our league. There was A.J. Baines that he just mentioned. Um, I'm trying to think, man. Um, and A.J. was, I believe, East Indian. Would have been his heritage. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to tiptoe on a fine line here now before getting hate mail. But it's, it's an odd time. I'm just trying to call it like I see it. Um, like even... Brownie and I, I I don't remember us talking about anything political as you get older, right? uh, Things change and, but he's just a guy you can talk to, you know, and he's a, he was a fun guy to have as a teammate. And like I said, when I get traded to Red Deer and junior and I get sent back from the NHL, I bumped him down in the lineup and it was never an issue. All he ever did was ask for advice and help. And, you know, I didn't realize he stopped at 19 goals. He, He definitely would have had 20 if I didn't go there because I took his spot in the lineup on the top line, you know what I mean? Um, and I never, honestly never thought about that till today. Um, that's how much it wasn't an issue. Uh, earlier I said I was going to talk about an album. So each time I do, you know, I go I almost go so far into the past so that a lot of people are, they'll check it out, but they're, uh, what's the word? They're not familiar with even sometimes the genre I'm talking about. you know, I think a few episodes ago, I talked about the count five and psychotic reaction and garage rock meets rock and punk and, you know, the fusion of all the above. Sometimes I get a little deep. And if that's the case, I I apologize. Uh, But a lot of you I know that are into music, I usually get more positive messages than They're not. And it's usually it's not even usually messages. It's when I go out in public and in Sudbury, there was a bunch of people. I don't always think about it, but, you know, people like to at least search the music that I talk about, whether they like it or not. That's a different story. But um, a lot of people I know that listen to this enjoy listening to the Black Keys. Okay, now the Black Keys, uh, what are two? Uh, Gold on the Ceiling, Lonely Boy, those are two. If you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, check those songs out, quick search, and, and you will definitely have heard them on a commercial or in a soundtrack, something. And that's kind of, what would you call it? Like beat driven rock, rock. But if you go into early black keys stuff, it's, it's blues more than anything. It's the blues, uh, real heavy blues kind of like dirty blues. well, there's only a couple of dudes in that band. I forget the drummer's name. Patrick Kearney actually is a drummer's name. Well, the guy who sings a lot, at least most, is Dan Auerbach. Dan Auerbach, maybe? A-U-E-R-B-A-C-H. And two years ago, he had an album, and it was honestly one of the, my favorite albums of the time. But I can honestly extend that, you know, to make my top 50, for sure. Um, and it's called Waiting on a Song. And that particular song, Waiting on a Song, was written by him and John Prine, who just passed away. One of my favorites. And it's just a great album. Uh, Songs that I would recommend. Definitely Waiting on a Song, Living in Sin, Shine on Me, King of a One-Horse Town, Stand by My Girl, Show Me, Malibu Man. Now, (laughs) there's only... (laughs) I might as well. And anyway, I just looked down and... These are the songs that I chose to like put away on my playlists. There's only two other songs on the album, and they're good. Um, it's just one of those albums you can listen to, so I would recommend that. Check it out, Dan Auerbach. Waiting on a song is the name of the album and the lead song, or the first released single, or whatever the fuck you say. That was what they chose to release first. That's how I get into it. Great album, and really retro, kind of a nostalgic feel. Even the cover is. Uh, the kind of cover that you'd make into a poster and put on your wall. And that's, that's my mainstream pick. And my local pick is Janet call and it's called hear it. Okay. And it is here. I am. I'm at Janet's right now, if you can believe it, because my studio, there is actually really poor Wi-Fi. So I'm actually recording this episode from her house. And, but that would think I'll oh, tear you're being biased, but I'm not. Janet's album is great. Hear it. Um, Janet, I don't know how you would even describe you. Uh, like uh, Billie Holiday, so yeah, like think. Think
1: Amy Winehouse, Billie Holiday, mixed
0: with Alicia Keys. There, Amy, I Amy Winehouse, Billie Holiday, Alicia Keys, all, all into one. I'm sure you can hear her yeah, saying that in really the background.
1: Up,
0: it? <laughs> well, it is, but that's your style. It's uh, relative.
1: They're, well, they're my biggest influences.
0: There, right, and it's and the, the album. Some stuff I could recommend by Janet Cole. She's done gospel albums, everything. But this particular one being the latest release that unfortunately was released during the pandemic, so it's hard to get a lot of traction. But trust me, and it's what usually when I recommend a local Newfoundland um, artist or album, it's focused on the trad, like traditional style stuff, like Rum Ragged. I love uh, Great Big Sea, Irish Descendants, Rollins Cross. Check those bands out if you like the Irish kind of thing. But anyway, I figured... Not only because I'm at Janet's house, it's a very prominent local position or musician and people really respect her. She's known for her voice and her style. So there you go. For this week, I'm recommending Dan Auerbach and St. John's own Janet Cull. Okay. Um, hopefully it opens up here soon. I do I'm uh, <laughs> seem to talk about COVID every fucking week. I don't want to, but I've had enough, and Omicron, whatever it's proving to be, very manageable. And uh, maybe I'm being biased. I'm looking at my daughter who just went back to school today, and she's so much happier. And I don't feel threatened. I think that, um, who am I? I think it's time to turn the page. And I don't mean to be insensitive to a lot of people who are going through a hard time, but for me, if the hospitals aren't overridden, then And the people have spoken, I think, in their start to, right? If you were to take a vote right now, and I mean, isn't it a democracy? I understand, though. I'm not a freak show about it. And I don't think people are trying to be. There's no conspiracy. I think at first it was hard to deal with. And people really are trying to be uh, compassionate. But if you ask me, I think it's starting to go the way of mental health concerns the other way. Open her back up. Let's get back at it. Rock and roll. And when that happens, you're going to want to check out TJ's pub. Greensleeves Downtown, Uptown. Uptown will be back on the go again soon. Uh, but check out Greensleeves Downtown to support, support the people that went through that hard time. Um, Trinity Pub, an awesome bar on George Street, as is the Bull and Barrel. Those are my play- favorite places to go on George. But check it out. If you're out there, just support local. Um, I can't say that enough. Wherever you are, support local first. It's uh, A lot of people are hanging on by a thread. And it wasn't their fault. Uh, we talk, it's mental health day. Well, lose your fucking business, lose your job, stop, uh, lose your house. There you go. Your mental health issues just went from a mountain to a molehill. Uh, but anyway, um, support those businesses. Wedgwood Cafe, Peter Wedgwood. Great guy, great chef, great entrepreneur. And it's my favorite spot to go for lunch and nothing else. If I need a quick lunch in town. It's at the end of Elizabeth Avenue. I go there, but not only that, they also cater, and they're really well-known for that. So check it out, Wedgwood Cafe. Up and running, finally back up this week. Thanks to everybody, all my listeners, and uh, there's going to be a YouTube Q&A weekly, and it's going to start, I'm hoping this next week, but probably the week after, because I'm going to be in Las Vegas, and I just don't see me having the time to open a segment of the show, being. I don't know, tales with TR Q will I'll, I'll attach a link, follow me on Instagram. I'll attach a link, but uh, I don't want to do the first one from Vegas. I, I'm, we're going to do this from my, my parents' basement. My dad, you know, my dad's got all his jerseys down there. It's, it's a museum. Okay. It's a music slash sports museum, my parents' basement. And it seems like the perfect place to do a sports driven uh, music, sometimes kind of podcast. So, Keep an eye out for that. Uh, Thanks very much to everybody who continues to listen every week and our listenership and our downloads continue to increase. So I attribute most of that to my guests who are interesting and are nice enough to take an hour or sometimes three out of their week to join me. So great start to January considering for uh, myself and a bunch of friends and a lot of people that uh, in and around my family. And I'm, I'm excited for that. And I welcome this year with open arms. Uh, check out uh, Shorzy coming up in the spring. Thanks, everybody. Catch you on the rebound. This has been episode 88, Tales with TR. Catch you on the rebound.